Welcome back to Non-Standard Action, where we are playing Fly Free or Die Book 4, The White Glove Affair. You are listening to episode 17, A Change of Plans. I am Tom, your GM, and I am joined by Jet, Leif, Liz, Nick, and Simon, your players. Today's icebreaker question is, did your character ever have a pet? Would they want one? Um, so, I guess you can answer both of those. Uh, so, uh, I was going to, I was thinking, well, maybe we could just have, you know, did you have a pet? If not, would you want one? But, uh, will, you may answer both or one. Uh, now that I've thoroughly confused everybody, please, uh, let's go around and get name, character name, pronouns, and an answer to the question. We will start with Simon. Uh, Simon, he, him, uh, playing Maria, they, them. Uh, this was actually a very good question, and I had to, to think about it a little, a little bit. I think that Maria um, has had a pet, probably a lot of pets, because uh, they're really fascinated in all sorts of life forms. The problem is that Edgecore doesn't allow pets, so... Um, they have they have like adopted uh, several times they've like adopted a pet long enough to like get familiar with it and then either there'd be an inspection or they'd like have changed crews because for a while they were changing crews between different ships very frequently and they would have to abandon the pet um so yeah there's uh i, I can I, yeah i'm not going to come up with any names here but there's there's probably been at least like 10. Wow. And like little stories for each one. No. Sure. That'll, I didn't that'll wake be up wanting to be one. sad this morning. <laughs> yeah. That'll be uh, the first Mar official Maria. No, we've already had our first official Maria flashback. Never mind. But that'll be like a side episode. Uh, like, you know, Appa's Lost Days. Except mm -hmm. it'll be uh, Maria's, Maria's yep. Lost Pets. Just give me slightly more warning so I can come up with uh, high quality content. Of course, of course. Uh, I was mostly joking, but we can talk about it afterwards if, if that's something that you're interested in. Um, how about Nick? Pronouns and answer. Oh, yes. Um, I am uh, pronoun agnostic. I'm playing Sloane, who uses she, her. Um, and, you know, I think Sloane probably adopted an Electroboard at one point or another. You know, they tend to get into ship engines. <laughs> um, and uh, was promptly told no, she could not keep it. Um, it was not it was not safe for a child to keep an Electroboard. Um, and so she's always, like, kind of wanted a pet ever since. And, you know, the goblins are sort of like pets. So she likes them quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sloan, also known as Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, I get that reference. It's been a while since I've seen that one, if I have seen it. Uh, it is. Small code, but it checks out. Yeah, mm. Absolute favorites of the Ghibli movies. Mm -hmm. uh, Liz, pronouns and answer. Uh, so I'm Liz, she, her, and I'm playing Auntie Nuna, who's also she, her. Uh, I think that Auntie Nuna would have been well there's there's two way no auntie nuna would have been the kind of person who just like acquired pets um because she just needed to nurture and didn't realize that that's what she needed out of it like she was even in like her scary days when she was working with sinjin um she'd always have like a soft spot for like if somebody brought her like a wounded animal or something she would like try to take care of it 
and like would have you know sort of like a little mascot pet of some kind yeah but um then when she like settled into the life on the sterling um she found she didn't really need that anymore because she could take care of actual people and blog all right excellent leaf Hi, I'm Leif, they, them. I'm playing catch. He said he were, you didn't want sad this morning. So, uh, no, I, I think he had, um, he had pets growing up. He, you know, his, uh, his, his dad probably, uh, didn't get rid of his mom's squawks when, uh, when she died. So that, that was around for a while. Uh, and then, um, but after, but after that, he, well, do the goblins count? Hmm. Kind of. Uh, I think we've already established that they do. Relatively. It's, it's like our children, your pets, right? Like they're, they're individual free thinking people, but also you have to take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Dogs are individual free thinking animals and they still eat their own poop. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> kids like kids are somewhere between friends and pets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Except right. they do change a bit more than pets do. They do. They stop being pets. They like grow out of it. Well, pets change significantly like over a shorter period of time. That change is mm-hmm. spread out over a longer period of time with children. I don't know. Pepper has just sort of gotten maybe like a little bit bigger not noticeably bigger she still fits in one hand and she's still very grumpy mm-hmm. but you know she is a hedgehog um, i was gonna say yeah my first hedgehog mm-hmm. so jet <laughs> name and pronouns and answer uh jet playing gus both of us are he him and i feel like as a as a young noir first exploring his uh, the culinary world I feel like he had a prug uh, that's the little blob thing as a pet and I feel yeah, like it was probably the, more from treasure planet yeah I feel like it was probably resting in like a jello mold at, like overnight and he came down one morning and his siblings had probably eaten it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> not realizing and and the prude didn't like protest or anything. It didn't start squealing. <laughs> no, I was into it. They were like, "Oh, this Are is they- a weird Jello." <laughs> yeah. Oh, this Jello talks. <laughs> Gus must have really messed up when he was making this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, all right. So last week on non-standard action. We had an abbreviated episode due to some shocking problems with my power company. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, yeah, shocking, positively shocking. Uh, The crew returned to Absalom Station uh, there to receive a job from Tarika after they returned Shan to civilized space. Tarika told them of an incredible haul. Steal a golden commerce barge from the profits of Calistrade off of the horse eye orbital plate. Uh, by sneaking on board the vessel and waiting until it entered the drift before incapacitating the crew and flying off into the sunset. 
easy peasy. However, as most things go for this crew, it was never going to be that simple. Uh, the ship they stowed away on turned out to be empty and on its way to picking up a huge load of wealth and treasure. As a result, our heroes find themselves staring down six days in the drift, possibly avoiding the notice of the mercenary crew. And that's pretty much where we're going to enter. Uh, what are y'all going to do for, uh, you know, what, what's the plan? I seem to remember last week you all were going to try and hide. Uh, the ship is very big. Enormous, you might say. So, there was mention of a guest stateroom because you acquired the map. Right now, you're hiding out in a uh, in one of the cargo holds of this ship. Uh, that was sort of the the closest thing to the airlock as you came in. So, what would you all like to do? It's pretty trivial from Rayoth. There's lots of vents on this ship, but I imagine that everyone else will not be satisfied just sleeping in the vents. That is you. fair. Marath has a distinct advantage, and I will probably give him, uh, give them a hefty bonus to any required stealth checks uh, mm. for for that. Good. Tom, Impression do we have a? Handy that way. Do we have a map of the ship? Yeah, actually, uh, I shared it. Oh, good. Uh, as a handout, I will show it to you now. That's right. It looks like a teddy bear, kind of. It looks like a fall guy. <laughs> Yes, yes, I remember. I've seen this tree before. I remember this conversation. Uh, this is a Compent Windfall class starship, uh, the, uh, named the Golden Thread. So it is huge. Where are we located again? We've snuck on. Uh, you are currently in 2C. You will see it at the bottom left, left corner of the map. In fact, I can bring you to a map. Not that there's any reason for there to be a map, obviously. No, of course. Why would there be? Obviously. So you've entered. You can sort of... I, I don't know if you can see on the dynamic lighting uh, so the, the fog of war showing sort of yes. the main channel of the ship. Uh, oh, main channel. Uh, I yeah. see 2C. Okay, you see 2C and that is it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. That is right. it. Funny how that happens because it shows on my screen as uh, the main hallway you know, the channel that runs through the ship being revealed because I initially had you all there and then I moved over here. So roll 20, it's funny. So yeah, that right. It remembers that you showed us at one point, but ours doesn't remember because we weren't here. Ah, fascinating. Okay. So uh, you find yourselves in this cargo hold. It is uh, starkly empty. Uh, What do you all... What do you all want to do? The mercenary crew has entered the ship and you are currently hurtling through the drift. I think we decided to just lay low, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um find some places to to sneak. If they and if they come in, we'll uh we'll tell them, ah, aha, we caught you. <laughs> you weren't supposed to look in here. Or, or or we can just say you're the mercenaries, but we're the mercenaries. Yeah, something like that. They double booked. I, I think I think Nick's lie is slightly better. I like this a lot. I like <laughs> the idea that they double booked. <laughs> yeah, y'all are gonna have a great time. We're with the this mercenaries who were hired to make sure you didn't check this cargo bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but where are the mercenaries who are hired to make sure that we protect this cargo bay from the other mercenaries? <laughs> oh, what a comedy of errors. This is so embarrassing. 
let's call the whole thing off. So, you all know right. That's so, stuck in my head, Tom. Yeah, well. So, hiding out on the golden thread. So there are, as I mentioned to you all pre-show, there are going to be some things that you can do. You're not just going to roll straight stealth checks for six days and hope for the best. Uh, there are going to be some different things. Yes, these bonuses are cumulative, Nick, uh, before, you, before you ask. So <laughs> that's why I typed it out there. So let me... Uh, that made me happy. Okay, good, good. Yes, yeah, cumulative bonuses are nice. So, and so hard to find in Starfinder. <laughs> so you've got a couple things that you can do uh, at the end of the day or beginning of the day. Mechanically speaking, at the end of the day, you are going to need to make me a stealth check to remain hidden from the crew as they meander about the ship and go about their their business. Um, oh, motorcycles. Bye. Uh, so you're going to be able to avoid cameras, uh, making a computer's check. Security cameras can be redirected or footage can be patched over with dummy footage. Uh, this grants all PCs a plus two bonus to their stealth checks to hide the day that this check is performed. Uh, another computers-based thing, uh, you can hack communications, uh, hack the, the ship's systems to track the mercenaries mercenaries movements uh this grants all pcs a plus two bonus to their daily stealth checks to hide for the duration of the voyage uh that is yes that that will be a one and done once you have performed communications hack you'll just have a flat plus two bonus going forward you don't have to do that communications hack every day if that makes sense then you can create a distraction using either computers engineering or mysticism uh, once per day, if a PC fails their stealth check to remain hidden, I have a DC in mind, you don't know it, a PC who succeeded at their check can create a distraction to divert the mercenary's attention from their ally. Computers sets off an alarm somewhere else, engineering simulates a mechanical malfunction, and mysticism creates a minor magical distraction. Success turns the original character's failed stealth check into a success. Uh, there are a couple downtime activities that you can do. Uh, this will take your action for the day, so to speak. You have to spend your whole day, so you can't take maintain readiness as well as make a computer's check to hack uh, to avoid cameras and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So you can maintain readiness. You get a plus two stealth bonus to your next check to hide. Uh, you, or you can secure the area. You can designate one room of the ship. All PCs hiding in that room gain a plus two bonus to their stealth check. Lastly, you can fortify your position. Uh, if you find a well-hidden spot, uh, which is something that I have marked on the map, uh, you can gain a plus two bonus to stealth checks by succeeding in an engineering or survival check uh, for being in this well-hidden spot. Uh, so, are, are we only able to do one of these per day? Mm, yes, one per one per PC. Except maybe create a distraction since that's a reaction from call that, something. Yeah, call that a reaction, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have DCs in mind. So y'all are in a cargo hold. Uh, mm -hmm. You can, if you want, uh, you can move around a little bit. Uh, there will, you know, the more you move around, the more chance that you have of uh, being discovered, right? 
but you might also find some neat things on the ship or some better hiding spots, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you all, what do you all want to do? Do you want to lay low today and make these, make some of these checks or what? I think first things first is we need to hack those communications. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think that, um, we should, we should send somebody out to scout but at the same time, they need to have a fairly high perception. We can't. Oh, no, we don't have a high perception. We <laughs> can scout stealth, and see anything stealth. that is obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, Auntie Nuna actually has a pretty good stealth and a very good um, perception. Or pretty good oh, perception. You are nominating yourself. Double O I mean, Grandma. Double O Grandma. I. <laughs> Only oh, because yeah. the numbers are there, but you know she can also hack computers and stuff. So it'd be great if you get found. You just you're like, oh, where am I? I'm not yeah. at home. Oh. <laughs> this, this isn't the cruise. He's also conveniently good at lying too. Yes. So. Are you oh my, my grandson? Oh my god, I'm gonna have to steal that life. Uh, you know she's gonna be like, which way to the buffet? Um, no Sloan has 19 to stealth 14 to perception and no skills in engineering mysticism survival or anything else useful at all well then I guess that's our perfect person to send out then because she also has an excellent bluff yes so Uh, hilarious Sloan can't help with any of this other stuff so Yes, we we also cannot help with anything else, so the two of us can go. And maybe if you roll a nat 1 on perception and I roll a nat 20, I may see something that you do not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Simon, you can create a distraction with your mystic arts. (laughs) Yeah, but I assume that that's like, we, we said that that doesn't take the day. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. That's if you've succeeded in hiding too. So if he fails hiding, he can't then create a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of us. Does it we could also just like uh, scouting doesn't necessarily give us anything. Uh, securing the area gives us everyone a plus two. I weakly and assume that scouting will give us something at some point. With some All right. Okay. Otherwise, Tom wouldn't have prevented it, presented it as an option. True. You don't know that. Yes, I do. I give, you, I give you a bunch of things. Tom could just be say. messing with us. Tom did give us a bunch of things. I'm just, last week, everyone was really set against leaving this room. That's fine. Uh, well, like Leif said right at the beginning of this, I think we need to get someone on the computers, probably. Yeah. That, that hack communication should be a, a priority. Um, is there is there an option to assist with this, or is it just one person role? No, I think multiple people can take the action. Tom, repeat the question. I was reading something. You are fine. Uh, just if there can be assistance with the hack communications check, or if multiple people can make the check. Uh. I will let one person assist or multiple people, uh, you know, or you can make your own check, uh, whatever you think, uh, whatever you think gives you better odds. All right. I think, I think Noon and I just both rolling gives us better odds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the classic, 
catch plugs in, and then Nuna's <laughs> already there and, and has already done it. <laughs> Ew, with a 27 for computers. That's not great off the bat. Oh, I rolled oh, low too. That's a 22. I will tell you, this is book four of the AP. Mm-hmm. The PCs like are getting higher. It. However, oh. not that high. Uh, that 27 from Catch is easily able to clear the uh, okay. hack communications DC. Ooh. Ooh. So you have plugged into their communications. You start hearing things about there is somebody called Shiari 8. Uh, somebody else. Sounds like an android. Perhaps. Uh, Korumahar Leveni. And then a Daoros, 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 I like Daoros, and Adalia. Hmm. Those seem to be the names of the four people on this ship. And, At least one of those uh, sounds Vesk. Do you have a handout for them? <laughs> I do have a handout for them. Um, yeah, you know, you probably see them on on the, the camera system, so... Oh, I was muted. Oh. Uh, with a 32 culture, culture check, do I recognize those names as being uh, distinct to any specific uh, culture or species? Sure. Yeah. Got Korumahar is a Lashunta. Deoros is a Noir. And Adalia is a human. Uh, and Liz was correct in guessing that Shiari 8 is in fact an android. Nice. It's it's the uh, um, die the diehard, you know, where John McClane is in the elevator and he's writing all the names on his arm and he writes Klaus with a K properly for the, uh-huh. for the yeah. Yes. So, uh, I tell you what, I'll give you a handout of them if you make me the when you make me the uh, avoid cameras thing to get into their their cameras. So for now, um, I didn't say this before, but uh, it makes sense for if uh, Catch and Nuna are both rolling the uh, communications hack that they wouldn't have something else to do that day. Uh, but uh, you know what? Y'all are going to be fine. So uh, Gus yes. will attempt to fortify position with engineering. Okay, excellent. Um, oh, you do not have, uh, you do nope. not have a, first, go ahead and make me a, uh, an engineering check to determine whether this place is well hidden, mechanically oh. speaking. Okay. Well, here we go. Just Gus? <laughs> Just Gus. This, you're unsure as to whether oh, or not this of course. place is well fortified. <laughs> so... Um, you can't perform the fortified position uh, here because this is not a well-hidden room. Hey, hey guys, I think we need to move somewhere else if we want to uh, fortify this position. Fortify a position? Our position. I like... Uh, upon further uh, thought, I, I, do, I do like the idea of that locked cabin. Hmm. All right, so we'll start exploring the other rooms. Yeah, let's see what else we can find. Okay, so Sloane and Marayoth are gonna... The, all, all of the doors on this ship you will find are uh, generally unlocked. Um, um, okay, so, well we know to the south is just another cargo hold, so let's check, maybe check that out first, just to see what, what we can see there. Oh, should be to presume. Yes. 
you go to the south. Just to, you know, open the door and look inside. Of course. You find cargo hold 2D, because there are a lot of cargo holds here. Let me make sure, see if cargo hold 2D. There's only two dimensions in this room. Oh, no! Oh, no! Hmm. You've gone all flat. Uh, Go ahead and make me a perception check, you two, as you're... Oh, you already have. Uh, And you cleared the DC. So... Oh, the camera got a 13. I'm in the wrong Hmm. account. (laughs) How embarrassing. Uh, So you find a dropped cred stick, Sloan, containing 1,500 credits. Holy wow. The floor panels in this room. Somebody missed that. This is that. That for later. Could be useful. Sure could, sure could. Some guy comes immediately through the door. Guys, guys, we have to find my credit stick. It's got like 1,500 credits on it. (laughs) And somehow misses all of you sitting in 2C, the only (laughs) point of access into this room. He's just Uh really panicked about those creds. Is the cred stick stick in a cool Velcro wallet? Like... (laughs) But we don't see any good places to hide here. Um, go ahead, make me an engineering or survival check, you two. What? No. You didn't tell us we would need engineering or survival. No, he did. He did, right? It's one of the actions. I did. 16 survival. All right. Um, I tell you what, because I'm a kind and benevolent GM. And you made a pretty good perception check before. I will combine these two roles. Let one help the other. This is, in fact, a well-hidden spot uh, because of your, thanks to your common sense, you realize, oh, this is, as you say, uh, the, you know, at the bottom of the ship. Uh, It only has one point of access. Probably not that likely that people are going to come in here too often, especially since it's an empty cargo hold. So this will count as a well-hidden position and give anybody hiding in here a plus two bonus to their stealth check per day. Oh, well, let's uh, tell the others, I suppose. So we can all just relocate into 2D. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can move rooms. That will not cost you your, you know, quote-unquote action. So, all right. You all move into room 2D, and I think that's an action for everybody. So, cool. Uh, cool. do, do, do. That's just going to set up a little bit of destiny insurance and uh, spend, spends a minute to set up a little explosive link to a detonator right here at the door. Sure, sure. Oh, uh, Maria, I'm sorry. What was that? And tells us how to not trigger it. Uh, <laughs> unless you unless you press the button and he's like, plays with the button on the detonator. <laughs> it's a dead man You're switch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maria... I almost robbed you of your action. You just sort of walked into a room and made a perception check. So would you like to uh, perhaps take advantage of one of these downtime activities? Um, yeah, as soon as I bring the handout. No, I mean, I could also ex- explore another room. Um, oh, there it is. Thank you. Of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why don't I explore the room to the north? The room to the north? is hallway. How do you want to do this? Do you want me to roll, or do you want... You're like, oh, I can explore this room? That room you know for a fact is the airlock. That's what. That's the way you came in. 
And I'll check the other cargo compartment. Okay. Remember, Maria, the more doors you open, the higher the chances we run into mercs. I'm very sneaky. We are sneaky. This is cargo hold 2B. Uh, in here, I will, I will, I'll read you the actual description for the cargo holds. These large cargo holds are mostly empty, though this one, 2B, uh, contains several, sorry, I paused because I was thinking about a lame to be or not to be joke. Uh, so <laughs> one contains several spacesuits and jetpacks for use by the crew. And another has a dozen inactive uh, security robots with jeweled eyes and gold plating lined against the wall. In fact, the jeweled eyes and gold plating are in room 2C, which you all initially hid in where you have come from. As you say, interesting, interesting. Yeah. In, um, yeah. So that's what you find in here. Uh, in terms of treasure, uh, that was not just guff. That is, in fact, four spacesuits, four jetpacks, and a crate containing two Mark III riot grenades, two Mark III hollow grenades, and a Mark II web grenade. I glorious. Will, I will uh, give these to you. Grenades? Oh my gosh, PDF. Grenade? Yes, grenades. Sorry, I'm bemoaning the fact that I love Paizo, but their PDFs are kind of weird sometimes. And like when you try and highlight the text, it like weirdly highlights half of the PDF instead of the the actual. Anyway, I've got it now after all this kvetching. Uh, So all you need. I was happy to note. Uh, and uh, this is another reminder to go to Paizo's site and review and or join discussions on the various products that we are playing through. People have noticed and been posting on each product page about how the images are not coming out as uh, as full images, but rather are all chopped up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so <sighs> four jetpacks and four spacesuits as well, but spacesuits are, you know, you have a spacesuit in your armor, so there's no real need for a spacesuit. Wow, there's a lot of motorcycles out today. Four spacesuits, four jetpacks, two Mark III riot grenades, two Mark III hollow grenades, and a Mark II web grenade. Uh, does Morayoff pocket all of these things? Yes. All right. And yeah, at that point, you'll probably... Uh, we'll, we'll call that good for exploration for today. Oh. Return to the previous room. And I will okay. dutifully write all of these things down. Cool. So Morayoth returns to the room. Why doesn't everybody make me... Uh, so, to review, you have a rolling plus two bonus for communication tech. You have a plus two bonus from being in a well-hidden room, so we're at plus four. And I think that's what you've got. So why doesn't everybody make me a stealth check? Okay. Uh, Tom, can I activate my sheath array so that I can get a slight bonus to stealth? Of course you can. Oh, man. I need that plus one. That's just also oh, going you- to lower the light <laughs> level in within uh, 20 feet around them. Okay. Uh, that will. So this stealth check is for a whole day, though. So the dim light won't. It lasts a number of minutes, right? Oh yeah, you're right. Only yeah. a number of minutes. So it doesn't do that. I'll save it. 
Antinuna rolled a three, which gives her a total of 16 plus whatever bonuses we have, which I guess is plus four now. I got a natural two, y'all. Yeah, I think Gus is the main problem. Oh, no, Gus. No. Gus just like stomping around the hallway yelling, Rayoth, where are you? (laughs) I wouldn't have to shout it, though. I've got telepathy. (laughs) All right, so I will tell you right now. um, In fact, I'll describe it in game. Uh, Yes, indeed, Gus, uh, you begin to hear... Uh, sort of footsteps coming down the hallway and you realize all too late that you should probably shut up. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so Gus is in trouble. Luckily, one of you can, one of you who has succeeded can notice it looks like catch has already jumped in catch. What do you do with that 30 computers check, which is a success. Um, I imagine Gus is, was standing like right at the doors here and he as and he hears the boots tromping down the hallway. Catch overrides and slams the door shut in his face and then like locks it so they can't get in until just for temporarily until we can get Gus shoved shoved into a little access panel. <laughs> shoved just somewhere in the room. Okay. All right. So I will tell you that has turned Gus into a success. Uh, however, Auntie Nuna has also uh, not managed to crest the DC for this stealth check. Uh, who can help Auntie Nuna? Uh, I thought we only get that once per day. Create a distraction. Oh, once. Oh, yeah. It is once per day, isn't it? Yep. Thank you. Uh, so that is going to be a failure for Auntie Nuna unless the audience can give you a reroll. However, I will. I will. I will pause for effect here. As Why? You know, we put the audience time. What, Leaf? Oh, I, I can see where it says once per day. Yes. It does say once per day. <laughs> and I guess that kind of makes sense because if a million things started going wrong to distract the crew from failed stealth checks, they would start getting more suspicious. Yeah. So to do to being found. Given that everyone has lie. <laughs> Given that everyone has to make the check, it's pretty punitive. It's like you yeah. only get to do this once per day, and probably only one, maybe two characters are going to have spell. Yeah, but that's right also now. why we have a bunch of bonuses that you can earn to your stealth check, right? Like, that could that could bring a PC that has a plus zero up to a plus ten. Uh, all, all the bonuses in the world aren't going to help a, a three on the, <laughs> the tie. That is very true. So, yeah. With that, um, Auntie Nuna, you are going to, uh, uh, mm, let's see. You know what? I don't really, ah, Drunk Fat Ninja has saved us all from having about this. Um, Drunk Fat Ninja, thank you very much for saving Auntie Nuna's bacon. Woo! Yeah, she rolled a 12 now, so it's up to 25 plus 4, 29. All right. A 29 is enough. So Auntie Nuna almost gets locked out of the room as Ketch uh, uh, wirelessly slams the door shut, uh, but manages to slip in past Gus. And you all are safe for day number one. Uh, Yeah. All right. I don't know how we're going to make it through another five of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say. Um, well, it's going to get easier, here. right? What? So the bonuses are cumulative. They're cumulative, yes, but uh, meaning they all stack with each other. 
maybe that was the, the wrong use of cumulative. But all of these bonuses will stack each day, but you need to earn them each day, save for the ones that don't say that, like communication. communication. Yeah. Yes. So it is day two, Electric Boogaloo. And uh, we'll say uh, here, this door up here is now shut because it was slammed shut. Uh, do you all, uh, what do you all do on this day? Gus will secure the area. All right. Yeah, so that means you'll have a total of a plus four, one from being in a well-hidden spot and one from secure area. Well, right. communications uh, and, hack. And yeah, yeah so flat plus six right now. Yeah. You're sitting at a plus six stealth check. And all right, what does everybody else want to hack the cameras for today? That sounds like an Auntie Nuna or catch thing. Is that is that not a one one and done thing? I thought that hack communications was a uh, only once. No, no, I'm not saying hack communications. I'm saying avoid cameras. Oh. Uh, Auntie Nuna just rolled a fifteen, and. Um, Add a seven to that, so uh, 37. Yes. So, Morayal <laughs> says that. Yeah, Morayal says, does anybody want uh, say the <laughs> thing again, kiddo? Uh, maybe someone should uh, turn the cameras off or loop something. Oh, I've already done that, dear. Oh, good. <laughs> Indeed she has. Uh, so 37 is a very good check. So... You all now have a plus eight bonus if you stay in, you know, for for spending your time in this room today. And uh, anything else that you can do? Anybody who's not making another check could do the maintain readiness downtime activity, which in this specific instance will give you a plus two bonus to your stealth check. Um, you get a you get a plus two stealth bonus to your next check. Uh, I think I'd rather secure the area. Designating this room. I didn't say that you couldn't do it more than once, so... <laughs> Double secure. Doesn't say... Not, nothing well, in the didn't Gus fortify the position anyway? No. That's a different... No, I secured area. Gus secured the area for today. Because I didn't know if we could re... Uh, identify this as a well-hidden spot and Tom seemed to have been continues continued to it seemed like Tom continued to give oh, us the plus two or stealth being in a well-hidden spot okay yeah this is yes this is another I I guess I didn't make it clear on the handout sorry yeah no now that you know this is a well-hidden spot this is just giving you a plus two bonus to your stealth checks uh, so Fortified, uh, this is a well-hidden room. You've secured the area. You've hacked the computers, and you've got communications hack. You've hacked now, if we, can, if we can only do it once, that's fine, too. Okay. I would uh, just rather give somebody else a bonus than myself. Yeah, that's fair. Really. Yeah. So, I'll let you do it more than once. Stealth is hard. Uh, so... <laughs> That's a plus 10 bonus to all stealth checks right now. What is Mariath doing today? We will explore the southeast cargo hold. All right. So Mariath slips over to the southeast, and I will just drag you over there, Simon, because Thanks, there's, a lot of, there's 
a lot of walls. Boop. And surprise, surprise, it looks just like the one that you are sitting in. So 2A does not have anything interesting. Lame. Lame. Yeah. Nothing yep. to ransack. No, nothing to ransack. Um, I'll give you, uh, you do notice that this is a well-hidden area as well. Oh, thank so, you. Of course. So if this place is compromised, we can hide in the opposite place. <laughs> Catch. Catch would like to take some time. It's it's not that much time at all, given the entire day is at our disposal. Uh, to unwire, uh, rewire his detonator to the non-lethal grenades. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, you hear you you hear Tarika's voice in the back of your mind. Y'all yeah. are professionals. Don't kill <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> And and catch if if this works is gonna try and yeah make an engineering check to kind of make it disguised and and try and make it look like if they do set it off um, that it was like some of the the wiring or like uh, the the hydraulics and the thing kind of exploded in an inopportune time instead of uh, you know an obvious trap. Creative use of engineering, I like it. I'll allow it. All right. End of day two. Why doesn't everybody make me a stealth check with a plus 10 bonus? Maybe Gus wants to take his armor off today. Dang, yo. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just offering. Yeah, yeah I'm just okay. kind of yeah. Oof. All right, Gus. I, I'm waiting for the sheet to, even bothering to roll. I'm waiting for the sheet to stop there. thinking. The sheet is thinking and my cursor mm. won't let me click on stealth. I'll just roll a computers now to save Gus's life. Yeah, there we go. So 23 with the plus 10. With the plus 10, 23. You were very, very close. However, that was still a failure. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so... Yeah, Simon, you're right. Uh, Or it was Leif or whoever said that, you know, it doesn't matter all the bonuses in the world. If you roll poorly, it's still going to be bad. So Hey, that was a 12 on the die, Tom. (laughs) I, I think like I said, you roll bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this is a high DC. Uh, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, luckily, Catch once again is able to employ computers to save Gus's bacon. Uh, I have some hear- for that. Uh, the DC's too damn high! Or... <laughs> look, look at that DC, it's so high. It's just, Dave's not here, man. <laughs> all right uh you all here overcomes uh perhaps that uh oh um captain there seems to be some sort of malfunctioning going on with the door systems and the the uh, near the aft of the ship uh we might want yeah, to yeah. check out cargo bays two you know two c and two d uh for routine maintenance uh sometime tomorrow so uh to the opposite side. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, let's go. Let me let me queue up a Benny Hill track here. Scooby Doo. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was thinking more of the Pink yeah. Panther. Scooby Doo <laughs> yeah. is what I was thinking. Ah, uh, yes, the yep, just boom, 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 boom. Uh, so day three. Uh, y'all want to make moves? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Oh, so oh, the door's closed. 
the door is in fact closed. Uh, do, 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 do. Pardon me one moment. Oh, Tom's moving things. Uh oh. No, I'm I'm going to the dynamic light and layer. I don't know what you're talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they all say. Uh, so you open this door to room two. It's an ambush. <laughs> it's an ambush. Oh, no. and, and these, uh, yes, who could have seen this coming? Stop calling all my shots. Uh, the uh, in those those golden robots that I mentioned before, three of them seem to have uh, come to life and begun patrolling this room uh, sometime in the night, perhaps. And they all uh, turn to see you and say, halt, intruders, and we are going to enter initiative. Oh, we can't lie to them? Hands up, don't shoot. They're robots. We are the mercenaries. (laughs) We're supposed to be here. Uh, You're malfunctioning. Yeah, who who are you going you to are trust? <laughs> who are you going to trust? Me or your own lying sensors? Your own lying visual sensors? Get into a philosophical debate with a robot. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Always works. Um, They're usually I really show you the art on these guys. They are pretty sweet. I, at first I saw uh, Thanos with that golden armor. Mm, yeah, a little bit. But Can this is a cold ship. Uh, they Can you do, do that again, Tom? For like some gold. reason, it didn't pop up on my screen for people to see. I think we've had this issue before. Um, yeah. I will make a, I'll make a handout uh, because the art is really cool and I want everybody to see it. So, uh, But I'll make it during combat. So, uh, eyes wide so, shut robot right there. Auntie Nuna, wow, some wow. good initiative rolls today. Friend. Yeah, I know. It kind of feels like a waste. Um, Auntie Nuna will move to... Oh, can I see all of them from where I am? Hmm. Uh, you can. Let's, well, uh, what, is, what, is your, uh, what do your eyes tell you? Um, no, she wouldn't be able to see. Okay, so she's going to move to... Next to catch, so that she's got a better view into the room. Pretty sure she can get him over 30 feet now, these days. So she will place a get him on blue. Get the nearest one first. And that's it. Okay. Uh, This is what these robots look like. They have sweet shields and cool swords. Give them the long cloth. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta hide those robot genitals. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they do have a lot of nuts, okay? So genitals. Uh, 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 oh, everybody, uh, uh, remember that um get them is plus two now. I have added it as such. Uh Maria. <laughs> remember, yeah, do not so lethal damage. <laughs> Looking at the art, uh, there were not robots, guys. Not robots. Looking at their art, the weapons seem integrated, so I can't disarm them. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Yes. Uh, okay. We will try to um blind blue. Activate. Spend a move action to activate gravitic reinforcement. And then um, a standard action to dirty trick. 
is gonna combat banter and say, maybe move away from the door a little bit. Oh, um, I didn't have, we do not have the action for that. So, that is a 27 flat versus their KAC, correct? Yep. Okay. Well, plus two nope. because of get him, so 29. Be, uh, well, uh, you'll be happy to know that their KAC isn't 27. So the Gedim was okay. Uh, yeah. They're, yeah, man. Uh, combat maneuvers, definitely OP, Starfinder. Please nerf. So that is that is going to be a blinded blue robot. And blinded... I don't, I don't argue that um, some of them are, but this one is not. No, this one's not. It's more just annoying. Um, as are most combat maneuvers, I think. Uh, to varying degrees. Sure, sure. Gus, you are up. To be fair, Simon, I don't actually have a problem with you doing combat maneuvers. This is just banter. Uh, okay. I was muted. Curse me. Uh, I was just looking to see what some of my abilities are. I am going to spend a nanite surge You're to right? Well, it's nanite surge is a swift action. As a swift action, I am drop my sheath that is covering my body, aiding in my stealthiness and whatnot, is going to flow up and out of my arm, and it's going to ignite into my angel wing, my my rainbow blade. And it will do that as a swift action. And it looks like I might be able to charge this blue guy. Uh, yes. So I have not charged anyone mechanically. I don't think ever. I don't remember what that does. Uh, so do I seem to remember that Noir have, uh, Noir have a charging benefit or something? Uh, let me double check, but I don't remember that. I mean, I've got my gore I, and natural weapons. I don't think I... Nope, I don't have anything special with an actual charge. It looks doesn't look like... Now, Jed, I should remind you, it might have gotten lost in, uh, in you know, crosstalk and whatnot, but Leif said as combat banter that uh, Catch wanted people, wanted the robots to come into the room. Oh, I didn't hear that. Other- also, Gus, I don't know if he would have... <laughs> uh, that is that is your choice to make. Uh, uh, if it will terribly upset life, I will hold back. That is fine. Well, life stepped away from the camera. I think I think that nullifies everything in that in this in this interval. Okay. Well, Gus, not paying attention apparently, is like robots. <laughs> his sheath flows down his arm and into his blade, and he just runs forward and tries to lunge into this creature. Get him is active, and I'm sorry, I need to double check on a new ability I have from a feat and whether it requires an action. I apologize. Uh, Yelling, remember, this is a stealth mission! That's <laughs> uh, uh, the guy who set up explosives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, as Gus runs forward, he has like a little, like some nanites flow up over one of his eyes, and it's sort of like a scouter thing comes over his eyes. And it shows weak points on this creature's body, and he takes deadly aim. Hey, that's my shtick. Uh, Angel Wing. Sorry that took so long. But a 25 to hit EAC for 25 electric and fire damage. 
That is a lot of electric and fire damage. Let me see if these robots have that annoying... Uh, we're we're vulnerable to... Yup. Okay, so that is a plasma weapon. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to tell Leo Glass as nicely as possible. I don't want critical hits and plus ones because I roll secretly. Uh, yeah, Tom can you get in that 20s as often as he wants. I can, um, but I appreciate it. Uh, as, a, as an aside, uh, there is no link anymore, Leo, because the link that you might be thinking of was for Cosmic Crit uh, for donating during Clittercom. Uh, nowadays, you just use stream points to uh, purchase things. You can find it in the little bubble next to the chat button. So I, I appreciate the thought. Uh, so, back to the combat. 25 points of electric and fire becomes a little bit more. It uh, doesn't matter what which one is which. It's oh. going to be six more points of damage. And it's a good thing I didn't need, need to mechanically charge because I couldn't have swift action used my nanite surge then. But it all worked out. I didn't accidentally cheat. It all worked out in the end. Now it's my turn. Uh, no. Blue is, <laughs> is blind, which is a bummer. It is going to... Mm. It can remove the blind with that move action. Yes, as a move action. But I have cool things to do with my move action, Simon. Uh, so Blue is going to turn to Gus, uh, sort of clearing the blinded condition from its optical sensors, and it will take a single slam at Gus. Yeah. That's a 19 versus Gus's KAC. That misses. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, so then yellow is going to take a, let's see. Yellow is going to aim its, uh, align its shield at Moraoth because they do have these sweet uh, shields. And it aligns its shield at Moraoth and then takes a shot at Gus. He doesn't want to get blind. He saw what happened. <laughs> That's a 25 versus Gus's EAC for that nine will hit. Right, so take nine points of cold damage as this. I misspoke before when I said they had a cool energy shield looking thing coming out of their arm. That's actually like steam coming off of a, the, the cold of the gun hitting the room temperature air. They have a numbing beam out of one arm. Like, you said uh, nine like damage, center. correct? Yes, nine. And I have a follow-up question. Did we have enough time to fully recover our hit points and stamina? Because apparently I never refilled my tokens, stamina, and hit points. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> a couple days out to the platform, and then this is the second day. You've regained plenty of hit points. Okay. Sorry about that, Tom. No I will problem. I now apply the, the nine missing. There we go. All right. <laughs> but I, I can't wait for Ketch's full round action of I pull my mini sub out of my null space chamber for cover he's going to climb on top of a height and drop the sub on top of someone sometime oh no it's the old I summon a whale <laughs> damn it don't give them good ideas alright so that was yellow's turn speaking of Ketch what do you want to do, my friend? Well, Chad has requested it, so no. Uh, unfortunately, that mini sub was, was left uh, hanging from the ceiling in the engineering room on our ship. Um, 
Instead, Ketch will go ahead and um, use a move action to uh, stabilize the weapon, and I believe his horns begin to glow, and that's his turn. All right. Whoa. What's this? He's charging up his laser. His horns? His horns have glowed before. I almost said glowing. When he supercharges his weapon. Huh. Oh, his his horns grown all the time. (laughs) All right. So, purple is going to scan combatants and is going to see Ketch charging up his lasers and he's going to align his shield at Ketch. So, um, let's see. I'm just going to, I'm going to put a purple token on your character just so I know that he's aligned to you and retroactive yellow to Maria for the same reason. So, then he will also fire at Gus as the more immediate threat. We're just trying to put down some cover and then handle the guy who charged in. That is a 22 versus your EAC. That will hit. Please take another 9 points of cold damage from this integrated... I'm sensing a theme here and I'm about to make your day make you very unhappy, Tom, I think. I cannot wait. Uh, but first, <laughs> it's Sloan Rider. Uh, well, Sloan is going to... Oh, but blue is get him. Okay. Sloan is going to move this way, taking a shot as she passes the door with trick attack. Uh, I hope it's CR is less than 8. Um, that's a 30 to hit flat-footed EAC. You do hope that. And that will work. Uh, so, 30 versus flat-footed EAC is going to be, of course, a big hit. Uh, for 31 points of fire damage? 31 points of fire damage, and it's flat-footed to everyone until the start of my next turn. Oh my gosh. Alright. Well, that stings a lot. It mm-hmm. doesn't look good. It's flat-footed. It's not blind, but it is getting. It's got a lot going on, and I hope I can remember it all. As we move on to the top of round two, Auntie Nuna. All right. Auntie Nuna is going to... Hmm. Hmm. Let me just do a little bit of measuring. All right. Ah, she's going to, does anybody need healing first? I guess we're all looking okay, great. I'm taking a bit stamina damage. Mm. Okay, Gus, Um, I know you can do it. And this is going to be her standard action for the inspiring boost. Take 17 back. Ooh. Oh, you guys are so screwed now. We've got Auntie with us. <laughs> Not only do we have Auntie, we have Dead Aussie Gamer raping. Uh, Dead Aussie Gamer, thank you so much for rating us. Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Uh, Welcome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're here finding some stars. What, uh, what else are you doing, Auntie Nona? That was a standard action to inspiring boost. And then um, she will, as a move action, um, Renew her get em against blue. All right. Excellent. I, all right, Gus, I know you can do it. 
Get that robot. I'm gonna get him. Perfect. All right. So as we move on to Maria, I will uh, remind everybody this seems like the perfect opportunity to tell you all, hey, at in about two hours' time, we're going to be interviewing with Leo Glass, author of book two, Merchants of the Void, of this AP. Uh, so stick around or come back at that time if you want to see us talk with Leo Glass. He's a really cool dude. So, Maria, what would you like to do? Um, Maria, does Maria still want to blind people? No, Blue is already flat-footed from Sloan. So Maria will uh, take a full attack with a volley of purple beams from the armada at blue at blue yeah oh will they be dealing with cover from there uh Marriott will absolutely have cover on blue. yeah okay um so we'll uh float into the room and then up with our with our new feet that lets us go up at full speed nice from the jam nice 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 jump, jump, jump. Oh, there it is and then from up here, firing over down from uh, above Gutha's head at blue. All one right. Shot. One final shot. Oh! 21 versus flat-footed EAC for 12 Bolton Electric. All right. I wouldn't... I would ask you how much of that is electric, but it doesn't matter because this robot only had three hit points left. Uh, so the robot <laughs> shatters into uh, into a shower of sparks and golden, shiny pieces of metal. And we're on to Gus Barrett Sinclair. Uh, Gus, seeing his foe fall and having taken several blasts from these numbing beams, will squint at his foes and then his eyes will go wide and his and black spider webs will f- form across the white sclera of his eyes and his irises will glow slightly red as he activates his adrenal gland uh that's right <laughs> and he's just gonna run over here to this guy and that's that's a move action to activate and a move action to get over there so that's all i got <laughs> action to activate it am i wrong I, I have written down that's a move action. What is All it? Right. Adrenal gland? Uh, we uh, will... the undead adrenal gland. Yeah, we can look that up real quick. Uh, while we're looking it up, Gus, uh, did you do something with that, or do we need to roll for confusion? No, we did do that. We, we worked yeah, we... it all out. It got scooped out briefly. We Someone tinkered with it. It got put back in. <laughs> that's... Ketch tried to assign one of the goblins to do it, but after the goblin came back, like, with a little too much blood on him, Ketch went in and finished the job. Oh, what a good friend. Yeah. A brief flashback to the uh, the medical bay on board the severance package. Gus with, like, the uh, sheet around star. his head no. and his skull open. <laughs> yeah. Ketch just standing there, like, runs screaming out of the med bay. Ketch just standing there, like, running around. What did you do? How could you get this blood. so wrong? <laughs> He's probably dead already. We gotta find another. <laughs> we need another noir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, Tom, you kind of uh, topped out on there, so I missed. I could tell that you I, the goblins were screeching, but I couldn't really hear anything else. You know what? It's probably on brand for them, and that's okay. <laughs> so that was Gus's turn. Yep. Uh, he's activated gland it what it is indeed a move action which means that it is nope that one's dead and it's an so adrenal gland do. courtesy of book two 
and Leo Glass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of many things that I was very excited about in book two. <laughs> Uh, Luminance class security robot, the yellow, is going to, uh, well, does it want to? It just saw Mareoth take out its buddy, so it's going to keep its shield aligned at Mareoth as a move action, and then it's going to slam at Gus. Come on and jam. Come on and jam. So I will will flavor this as it slams at Gus with its uh, its prism shield. Uh, it's like a shield bash type thing, uh, flavor wise. It's not mechanically something it can do, but then it will align it after this. But that is a twenty four versus your KAC. I think that hits. That Gus's does KAC. hit. That does nice. Hit. Ten points of bludgeoning damage to Gus as this shield sort of uh, the the physical part of it. Uh, just bashes into your chest and sort of stops your charge. And then it aligns its shield at Mareoth as a move action. And we are on to catch. Catch just rolling his eyes just uh, d- down in front and uh, kind of takes a move action to aim through the sights at Purple. Mareoth is 10 feet up, I'll have you know. Up in front! Under <laughs> um, me. I, I think. I think you're. What I'm saying is, I don't think Marioth is hindering your vision on purple. That's all right. Either way, catch is aiming down the sights. Um, oh, which means I need to actually check this box here. Oh, I did. I'm so good at this. Um, and then so squeezes good. the 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 trigger and fires at purple. At, at purple. Oh, Ew. well. Now. Twenty nine to hit. Or. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I have a reaction, uh, which you're gonna you're gonna love. So what happens is it's the robot seeing that you're firing at it, and it had miraculously it had its shield aligned towards you. It is going to take a reaction. Uh, the shield flares with energy as the robot uh, presses a trigger on it, and it is going to reflect your ranged energy attack <laughs> back at you. <laughs> With that roll. Excuse me? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Prism energy shields. They're a wonderful thing. So, not only did it have a plus two bonus to its AC against your attacks, uh, it is going to just reflect that 29 versus your K- versus your EAC. And now, I don't like to gloat, but this is very exciting for me. Leif, didn't you uh, didn't you supercharge your weapon? <laughs> yeah, you can you can you can go you can just go heck right off, Tom. If you're absolutely shit. Right well, now. you know what the you know what the answer to this is, Leif. You need to take that shield because you can use your big damn gun in one hand, and, and in case someone bounces it back, you bounce it back at them. <laughs> oh my god, you have made me you have made me so happy, Leif. Uh, so that is the total of. Uh, 36 points of fire damage. Uh, so so what happens is like this big, enormous, overcharged shot comes down, uh, barrels down right underneath Mareoff. And then Mareoff sees it hit the hit the robot's shield and somehow rebound back off of the shield right back. <laughs> Return to sender. You have to roll anything? It just happens? So it happens. You, you take the attack roll. You roll the attack roll against yourself instead of it. 
Yeah, no, it, so it doesn't have to roll anything. That's absolute trash. <laughs> what the hell? But imagine if you get that, Leif. Imagine no, if- no, no, no. I will never touch the thing. It's garbage. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Like the classic anime redirect. Fire the huge beam and it gets deflected and you're like, not me. And then you grab <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm small little... That was beautiful, Tom. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But I mean, Ketch has five fire resists, so this is fine. Uh, I'm Uh I'm gonna stop now, and we're on to oh, it's Purple's turn. (laughs) So Purple, uh, Purple got that. Oh, and this is a once per day as well function of the shield. So that only that only happens once per day for shield. but this is the thing you now know about these robots. Well, we have three. So purple is going to, uh, let's see. It's going to definitely keep its shield aimed at catch. Uh, so it'll <laughs> align its shield at catch. And then it's going to, let's see. It saw Gus do something and he started glowing with like evil black spiderweb looking things. It's, I'm going to give it a, a chance, like a one in four chance to shoot at Marayoth instead of Gus. So on a one, it'll fire at Morayoth. Everybody else's Gus. I rolled a one. So purple is going to fire at Morayoth. Coward. <laughs> that is a 32 versus Morayoth's EAC. That is a hit. Yeah, that's going to be 13 points of cold damage. Max damage on that. Oh, this brand new thermal capacitor slightly decreases that. Very nice. Is supercharged? Wait, quick question. I noticed something. Is supercharged five d six or four d six? Uh, four d six. But Leif also oh. used, I believe, the boost property on. Okay, the, on just the wanted to clarify that. Sorry. Yep. No, no, no. Good, good question. So that is purple. We are on the Sloan Rider. Sloan, you don't know what happened, but you just saw catch fire a fireball out of groom, and then it returned back. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's that seems like a bad day. Um, Sloan's gonna run across the other side and take a shot at Yellow. Alright. I can hit with shit. I mean, blame. Uh, that's a 25 to hit, 5 foot of DAC. Uh, 25 will, of course, be a hit. And that is 29 points of fire damage. Them mm-hmm. operatives, though. I've been flat-footed till the beginning of my next turn. All right. All of that damage goes through. And it is flat-footed. And we are back to the top of round three now with Auntie Nuna. All right. Auntie Nuna is gonna... Hmm. Well, it looks like that one's taken care of. She'll sort of shuffle up to the door. Doesn't want to block anybody. But, uh... Yes, now she'll now she'll put a get him on yellow. Um, and I've said get him with a uh, full attack. All right, uh, was that it for Auntie Nuna? I think so. Okay. Move, yeah. Or actually, can you fire when you get him? No, you can with your. Um, you can, you can I fire. can. Yes. All right, well, let's try this. All right. Now for something completely different. (laughs) 
That's 22 plus two. And if you're shooting the one adjacent to me, I have mm-hmm. coordinated shot, I believe. So you do, I remember okay. that. So, so that is going to be a hit. Cool. It's AC for seven points of fire damage. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the nice thing about improved get him. It just, it's, you can attack and get him as opposed to just doing one or the other. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Very, very cool. Or get him. Anyway, Mariah. Um, Rayoth will also attack. Yeah, so that is a probability of minus three. So that's plus two for get him and plus one for coordinated attack. I think so both of those. 31 hit. and a 26 yeah. will, of course, both be hits. And, ooh, this robot is just clinging on because, oh, wait, how much of that is electric? <sighs> Some of it. Um,. I think the 1d4, so that's two damage off of the first one and two damage off of the... No, I'm sorry. Um, one damage off the first one, one damage off of the second one. Okay, so one and a half times one rounded down is still one, so... Yeah. But you yeah, did... You did... What? I, I assume it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter in this case. So that is 25 points of cold and electric slamming into this robot. It doesn't look good. It starts to spark and fizz. Fizz? Uh, fizz. <laughs> uh, and uh, we are on to Gus, the turn uh, that I am the most afraid of as Yellow the robot. Yeah, Gus. Uh, Gus's little targeting thing that has sort of morphed up and over his eye out of his nanites uh, is highlighting and kind of and like flashing right where Morayoth's two shots just hit and he is going to attempt to like he'll pull the he'll lift the sword up flip it around and just sort of thrust down and into their torso hopefully assuming the dice are with me oh oh my god they are they are with you <laughs> that's hot uh, I, I'd like to think now. I'd like to think uh, get him and my mark two ability enhancement to my strength score and the academy <laughs> and the academy yes it's a 28 wow. to hit for 27 hit. electric and fire yeah 27 this robot only had four hit points left so that robot shatters uh, under the the force of your your we'll say it's a plasma weapon so it just yeah. it cut right through the torso and uh, bifurcates this robot in well, in half. In twain! We move on to... Oh, it would have been its turn. Man, he was one turn from retirement. Uh, catch. I don't feel bad for him. I hope, <laughs> I hope whatever he's going through sucks. Um, this is going to take a, a boost turn, and that's all. Yeah, but all right. where is Purple Shield aimed? Purple Shield is aimed at catch, and now you all don't know this mechanically, but that is a once-a-day ability. I, oh. I just realized Yellow had his shield aimed at Morayoth and could have reflected one of those attacks back at you. Uh, but such is life. Um, so catch boosts for the turn, and now it's Purple's turn. Uh, purple, feeling feeling great. Uh, hasn't been touched yet. So Purple is going to... <laughs> this time... Uh, this this time purple is going to shoot at Gus because Gus just cut his uh, you know his not his friend robots don't have friends uh, uh, 
his counterpart in half. So purple will oh. fire at Gus. Oh, racist. Does oh, incredibly matter. narrow-minded of you, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> it was his <Yeah>. batchmate. <laughs> oh. Yes. So. They rolled off the assembly line going, on the same day. That is going to be a 29 versus your EAC, Gus. For zero cold damage? <laughs> For, well, it would be six, but yeah, because of that trunking. Thanks, Leo Glass. <laughs> yes. Leo, I blame you um, for for giving us this out. So Next up, all that the mercenaries is, have poison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the infamous poison weapons in Starfinder. And then Purple, seeing that it is uh, that didn't work, is going to move up next to Gus. And so will not have its shield aligned. Back. It shoots Cat. Gus and Gus just screams at it. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Sloan, your turn. All right, let's uh, dart to the other side of the door. Shooting purple along the way. Just, you know, repeat. It's very. This has been very effective for me. We're just going to continue. I'm just picturing slow to action rolling back and forth. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a 30 to hit flat foot of the AC. So that's 35 points of fire damage. And if it is still standing, it is flat footed until the start of my next turn. It's still standing. It hasn't been hit by anybody's attacks at all today. So just time. now. All right. 35 points uh, of fire damage. From from they, the impossible to catch operative. Leif, you know I love you, my friend, right? <laughs> yes. Um, this is 90% just me me acting. <laughs> Leif 85. and theatrics? No. Stop around four. Um, Auntie Nuna, it is now uh, it is now your turn. Oh, excellent. Well, I think I'll put a get him on this guy and uh, catch. I know you can do it, champ. Fuck up. I have my I, own I, worst I, enemy, so I think that counts as a significant enemy. <laughs> what's 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 how many, how much stamina do I get back? Uh, you get seventeen back. Uh, lovely. Yeah. So actually, I think that's yeah. So an inspiring boost is a standard, unless it's been changed. It is. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. All right. You can uh, get him. Purple gets a get him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Purple gets a get him. Good. All right. That is Nuna's turn. Now we are on to Maria. Yeah, so I think I cheated last turn because uh, as cool as this feat is, it doesn't let me full attack while also hovering, right? I think after level five, it is not a big deal, right? Uh, after you have free action if you have five. five. Point five ranks in acrobatics. Yeah, that was that was eroded. Uh, somebody can feel free to correct me, but it's kind of too late to go back now. And Gus would have killed that thing anyway. Good, good. Okay, uh, <laughs> we'll just entangle purple since blinding isn't as good because he's already flat-footed from our operative. The 22 with a plus two from, uh, oh, I guess I'll also swoop around here. Plus two from get um, and plus one from. That'll do it. Uh, which condition are you applying? Entangled. Entangled. That is a weird one. 
Well, no. uh, put down on as a as a status icon. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Good. Gus, this thing is entangled. It's having a bad day. It's flat-footed. You murdered its friend. It yeah. shot you with a cold beam. It's Holding the blade in the remains of its of its uh, batchmate, Gus turns and looks at it, and he sees a whole bunch of weaknesses pop up all over its chassis. And he shifts his grip, and he just does like a horizontal sweep across its its uh, its uh, stomach region, attempting to cleave it in twain once more. Where's the battery? Uh, a twenty-two versus EAC, though, uh, even with all those twenty-two. Uh, versus its entangled, flat-footed EAC plus your plus two get them. No, oh, that's already factored in. Get them factored. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> EAC is prunking like thirteen right now because <laughs> of the, all the conditions. Uh, so yes, that is a hit, and that is half electricity damage. Yep. So yeah. half of the electricity again is another. Six, because it's. I'm assuming that you would want the electricity to be twelve. So, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. So plus six. Uh, so twenty nine. <laughs> this robot has. It looks real bad. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> this robot is as close to death as it can be. It has one hit point. Uh, and, y'all. Uh, Someone kill it. <laughs> oh no! It's catch's turn. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Well, maybe not. And it has Gidim on it, right? It has Gidim. It is entangled. It is flat-footed. All right. You have coordinated shot. <laughs> uh, so catch aims down the site, around the corner, and takes a shot with 31, ignoring 4 AC from any cover. And yeah. Yeah, that 31 versus DAC is, of course, going to be a hit. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Did you have anything that you were... Oh, there it is. All right. 21 points of fire damage slams into your mortal enemy, purple, luminous-class robot, and it falls over. Destroyed. You know, you we're, gonna my robot puzzle. we're gonna have to weekend at Bernie's these robots so no one suspects anything. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> good good luck with that. Um catch will walk out of here. Oh, I don't, I'm not bringing it. No, 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 guys, I've got the perfect plan. We now have excellent cover. Disguise everyone as a robot and just walk around the ship. Catch <laughs> walks up to this robot, points the gun at its cranial cavity and vaporizes its entire head. Oh, oh, but it's it personal. So cool. Um, all right. So what you can get from these, luckily it seems to, and you can uh, confirm this over cameras and comms. Uh, it seems to be that the crew did not notice this at all. Thank goodness. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, you were peek behind the curtains. There is a chance that you could be noticed after round four. Uh, you managed to, Stop that from happening because you finished this up uh, right around round four. So we will remove turns and close the initiative meter. 
And these, uh, these robots were totally dead before they got here. I don't know. Totally yep, yep, dead. Defective. I mean, uh, we we like, should totally move to the other side, though. <laughs> Let's move to the other side. Should we, like, steal the useful bits off these robots and maybe throw them out the airlock? <laughs> no, I think we do it. leave them here. Uh, uh, stick them in a hat. There is, there is some cool stuff on them if you want to. Uh, yeah, we, want, we, we do should, want we to totally get the cool, the cool bits. I don't know. Sounds like all their gear is just utter garbage. We should throw them out the airlock. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, like the shield. Gus, yeah. Gus starts ripping stuff off of them <laughs> as he's moving. He's just scooping them up like mine. <laughs> so you can remove all this with uh, one minute of combined engineering work per robot. Uh, you get a prism shield. You don't need to ask me how that works. You know how that works. Uh, you get an advanced numbing beam and... 2,500 credits worth of star medals uh, times three. Each of these is times three. So you get three shields, three advanced numbing beams, and a total of 7,500 credits worth of star medals that were sort of worked into their uh, their chassis. If there's any horicalca, we set it aside for uh, the goblin so that he can weave it into his pants. Uh, horicalca yes, affects yeah. time. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh Fun fact, you can add Hork Alchem to your armor and it gives you a bonus to your initiative checks. Pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so it does. We do know it affects time. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not finding the Prism Shield in Nethus. It is not an item, but it is one that I am... Because uh, it says that's part of their equipment. It's just not listed anywhere as like, this. Ha- it has this value and this blah blah So... It will give you a plus two bonus to uh, both of your... It's, it's a, treated as a plus zero plus two, if that makes sense, right? Where shields have an aligned, uh, an unaligned value to your AC and an aligned value to your AC. So unaligned, it doesn't give you any benefits, uh, but aligned to an enemy, it gives you a plus two to both of your AC uh, bonus, uh, your ACs against their attacks. And if they target you with a ranged energy attack once per day, you can reflect it back on them as we saw so that is something that you can you can take Morayoth actually has proficiency with shields we do as a Salarian you are just granted proficiency with shields as part of your uh, your class it's not listed in the CRB because shields were added post CRB but that is a that is a thing alright yeah Morayoth will take one of these and it'll float into the swarm <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mariath, you should take all of them, and then as you use its ability, just cycle it out. Oh, God. That would take a lot of move action. You said once per day per shield, Tom. Yeah. I sure did, didn't I? Uh, (laughs) But I challenge Simon to remember to use this consumable thing, not once, (laughs) not twice, three times per day. (laughs) All right, I take your challenge. I take all three prison shields. Uh, All right. All right, yeah. audience, you must remind Simon to use all three prism shields. Oh, don't worry, Nick. I think I can handle that. Now, the question is, Gus only has two-handed weapons at the moment, but does Gus have a shield proficiency? If not, it costs you one feet. Nope, I just uh, have light armor. Well, yeah. heavy armor with the edge I took. Yeah, double-check shield proficiency, because I... I might be thinking of Pathfinder too, but if you're proficient, I, I'm remembering if you're proficient with XYZ types of armor, then you're also proficient with shields, but that might've also been the play test. I think, I think shields are specifically pointed out in class entries. Yeah. All right. So 
Uh, it is day three, and after all this excitement, y'all want to move to, uh, what was it, 2B or 2A? Yeah, we want to shove the remains of these robots like under the floorboards and uh, move to the other side. All right. So you hide the robots, did you say under the floorboards? I say we space them. I don't know why we don't just do that. Well, but an airlock's probably going to trigger some kind of just an alert, if not an alarm. Catch and Nuna. Like uh, an airlock. Catch and Nuna know or are confident in their abilities to uh, sort of mask the airlock. Uh, opening and shutting with their mastery of computers. We have an alternate idea, if it is feasible. Um, Maybe we can arrange the robots in a way such that it looks like there was a malfunction that exploded and caused them to be destroyed. And then we can use this also as an excuse for why we made lots of, Gus made lots of noises earlier. It's not a bad idea, Marias. Thank you. Can't we don't know how explosions work, though. I can do anything. All right. I will... Can, um, I, can I do any everything? Any? Oh, <laughs> I, I like this. I'll, I was going to say, let you use a computer, uh, an engineering check to stage this. Um, that's not a very good roll, though. Oh, it's not. I think we've so, got to re-roll somewhere. Re-roll. Yeah, I think uh, Leo did give us a reroll for anybody but me. Thank you for following mm-hmm. instructions, Leo. You know, you know, you know what we need. Um, there so you go. one better. Really, <laughs> Leif, uh, continuing continuing their personal streak of rerolls not being very helpful. Yeah, just don't give me re- rerolls. I guess it's unless it's I'm an attack. Late. It's worked for attacks, and that's it. Do we have yeah. any more? This feels kind of important. Like we don't want the mercenaries. No, yeah. it, and it makes sense. Catches catches too bitter about about these robots. So he's like pulling parts off of it. Stupid robots. <laughs> Heck oh, shields. By the way, the called fusion would like to know. Uh, that's a pretty good ability. Let's call these. Uh, eh, but the robots are pretty low here. We'll meet meet in the middle. Call it a level seven shield. Seven. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, also, typically one can only put called fusions on things that can make melee attacks, but then I did have them make a melee attack with it. I'm arguing nope. with myself. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also, you, you can attack with shields, right? As an unarmed. Uh, only certain shields that say you can make a special unarmed attack with these. Yeah, oh, and it's kind of weird and feels a little bit off to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, buckler or, like, big knight shield. Like, you can still punch somebody with those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You can put a shield, uh, a fusion on it. It's fine. Um, Hooray. So, uh, Nuna and Ketch are able to combine their forces to uh, make it look like these robots uh, exploded, malfunctioned, uh, and caused some noise, and uh, then lost all of the valuable star medals and weaponry off of them. Yeah, uh, they got blown up. And their mm-hmm. shield. Yes, all got disintegrated. And that one is missing a head. So, speaking of disintegrated. Yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, we the just numbing make it look beam like disintegrated a, the head. <laughs> yeah, we just make it look like the one with the melted head is, you know, suffered some sort of catastrophic meltdown and blew up and took out the other two with it. Or like, catastrophic meltdown. Ha! Huh. <laughs> you, so, you're darn right. All right. 
So, uh, you all move over to 2A, right? Because that was another well-hidden room. I will move you over there. Through the doors. Auntie Nuna, you did not bring the robots with you, I know. Alright. So, delete, delete, delete. Make like a Cyberman. And I will open this door here so you all can see this as well. Alright. So you get there, and uh, we're going to do some stealth checks for the day before we go to an early break here. Uh, so, what do you all want to do for uh, for the day? Reopening here, and I will show it to you again. Uh, hiding out on the golden thread. What is, uh, what's the plan? Let's go down uh, player order jet. Uh, I think I'll just do a repeat and secure the area. All right. Sounds good. Uh, that is a cumulative. Uh, you have a plus four so far. Total plus four. Not plus six because, yeah. So plus six. Um, Leif, what is Catch doing for today? Uh, do we need to continue avoiding cameras every day? Yes. Yep. All right. We'll can actually, that we can figure that as that's you all moving through the halls and avoiding cameras. That's a 33 a, to redirect the cameras and patch dummy footage over them. Perfect. You do that and get a plus eight bonus for the day. Auntie yeah. Nuna? Um, does Auntie Nuna have a chance to do basically the other computers type task? Yeah, the communications hack ha is a one and done. And okay. Catch has already done the other computers, so you could instead... Um, you could do the downtime activity uh, for maintain readiness to give yourself a plus two bonus, or you could do the, I think I said that we could do the secure area multiple times. Hmm. Okay. Um, what do I roll the area and fortifying position oh. do appear to be two separate things. Secure area as a downtime just uh, looks like it's all PCs hiding in that room gain a plus two bonus, so that looks like a daily thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the fortified position is like identifying that, yes, this room is uh, uh, what, what, what did you call it? Well hidden? Well hidden. Well hidden. But we already know this one is. So really the, the downtime activities are the only thing that makes much sense. Yeah. And they don't require a check. Okay. So um, I guess she's going to maintain read readiness. All right. Uh, Auntie Nuna gets a plus two bonus to, on top of her normal bonuses. So you have a plus 10. Everybody has a plus eight. Uh, Sloan, what does Sloan do? Um, if I can, I'll just do the, um, the, 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 um, here the area. All right. Uh, plus 10, Nuna has a plus 12, and Mareoth. And Mareoth was going to scout, but after having this, like, robot fight, Mareoth thinks it might be smart to lay low for a day or so, so we'll just secure the area with giving everyone a plus 2. All right. Everybody has a plus 12. Nuna has a plus 14. Let's get those stealth checks, my friends. I'm just going to take 10, Tom. Do you have skill focus in stealth? Oh, that's right. I have to have skill focus in it. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I do. I guess I'll... You can take one. I'm that's gonna, still enough. I'm going to reactivate oh. my uh, sheath right, array. Okay, blue fill. Skill choices is Starfinder. If I, if I take a one, that's still a 30. Yeah, okay, you're fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Gus got a 31. Wow, Gus. I had to roll an 18, 18 on the die to get a total of 19 <laughs> before bonus. 
<laughs> so everybody for this day is fine. You all hide out in your new little uh, hidey hole down here in Cargo Bay 2A. And we will, uh, so day three comes and goes uh, after that excitement of the robots. Uh, day four, as y'all are, you know, going about your sort of morning tasks and whatnot, uh, you will have, uh, you, you all suddenly hear multiple alarms blaring through the ship as it jolts, as though struck by a large object. Uh, the ship's intercom crackles to life <laughs> as Shiari 8, sounding uncharacteristically panicked, exclaims, Everyone, we've got a big problem. Something's hitting the airlock, and I see another silhouette ahead of us, coming up fast. Looks like some sort of giant reptile bat, but I can't make out much detail. Whatever it is, it doesn't seem to be friendly. Uh, keep her steady, Adalia responds. Uh, Deoros, meet me at the airlock. Let's see what we can do about these bastards. Karu, stand guard at the door. Uh, two male voices chorus ascent, one notably shakier than the other. Another blow will rock the golden thread from the aft as we fade to commercial break. Mm. So, today... later than we said we would. I think we're doing really well today, everybody, on the schedule. Nice work. So, uh, when last we left off, our crew of free-flying traders was hearing klaxons, and over the radio, uh, the captain said that she was going to go talk with... Uh, or, uh, yeah, she was going to go talk with this monster outside and see, uh, see what would happen. So, sounds like... Koru is going to be standing guard at the airlock door. Deoros and Adalia are going to go out of the airlock to see what they can see outside. Know that you are in the drift. Uh, this is a pretty high stakes... Every fight in the drift is high stakes, because if you die in the drift, you become a drift dead. Um, see book Ain't one no one of Dead that. Sons, or book five of Dead Sons, or just any time anybody dies in the drift. It's not a good. It's not a good story for them. So, I mean, dying at all is generally not a great story. Well, sure, but and in Starfinder, there is a comically high amount, a number of different undead that are created by the very spe specific uh, circumstances around their death. Yeah. So, uh, particularly by dying in the drift, and it's like you are miserable for eternity until someone comes and releases you by destroying you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Filled with hatred of the living. Uh, no, not. It's not Gus. Jet is wondering, is there a chance we're going to get to fight out in, like, the drift itself? Are we going to leave the ship at all, Tom? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Um, and does that count as the vacuum is, of space? Jet, you should know better than anyone. The goal on a boat is never to leave the boat. Oh, I 100% yeah. know that. Come on now. <laughs> but I'm wondering on behalf of Gus, and Gus well, makes we'll action Gus. movie we'll decisions. Find out, won't we? <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your plans here. So you've got the captain and uh, Deoros, Adalia and Deor Deoros. Deoros? It's just going to roll into Deoros. 
uh, are going out the airlock and sort of probably you can assume tethering themselves to the side of the ship to see what's going on. Uh, you have Shiari 8 piloting the ship and you have uh, Koru guarding the airlock door. Uh, so what do you all do when you hear this kerfuffle, this disturbance? We do- well, this sounds like a good time to take the bridge. Do we, do we help them? One of them is guarding the airlock. They will see us. So we knock that one out first. What if... What if what is attacking the ship requires their help? I Don't worry, Mary. I think we got this. Okay. So... Do we knock this one out? Do we leave them to their own devices? Do we help them? What's the plan? We're going to take the bridge. I think we have to knock out the one at the airlock. Catch oh. says, don't worry, I got this. And we'll stand at the door and start charging his gun. <laughs> <laughs> but you will, you will, you will see, um, he, he waves his hand over the, the top of it and the concentric circles that typically glow red are actually glowing blue. Hmm. Oh, blue Actually. and friends. <laughs> All, right. All right. Maria, this time, get the radio. Oh, yes. Yes, very <laughs> smart. I forgot about All that. All right. <laughs> so, we can... All right, so you all prep, you charge, you... I, I, I'm going to assume uh, that Catch uh, goes ahead and charges his uh, lasers right as you're about to open the door and let me get rid of that and why don't you all go ahead and roll me some initiative here uh we'll call this it's not quite a surprise round but this guy is not going to see you coming and i can i get myself up there (laughs) sorry oh yes please i i would like to intimidate this this guy into surrendering after barry takes the radio um, if we have an opportunity. Okay. So we've got... We don't have to knock him out. That's even easier. That That is very true. All right. T- Sloan, too bad you rolled a one on your initiative here. Oh, initiative. Yeah, I'm bad. these guys... Uh, these guys yeah. want to. They can... Uh, Ooh. That's that's two nat ones on initiative. Well, thankfully yeah. I'm close to Mary. I'm very prepared. <laughs> thankfully I'm close to Marioth, so Indeed. <laughs> so alright. We will resort and what will Auntie Nuna resort to? Huh? Let's see. Resort, mm. resort. Auntie Nuna, it's your turn. I will open the door at your whim. Okay. Oh, the door is already open. Yeah. Um I don't actually see the guy from where I'm standing. So you can poke your head around the corner. Uh, yeah, he is—he is in front of the airlock doors. Mm. That's all you know. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll move up and put a get him on him. All right. Are we in a surprise round? Or do we do we want that? Because if well, that's good. That's okay. Good. I just want to make sure that I wouldn't accidentally tip something from non-lethal into the lethal range. No, as long as you're declaring non-lethal, all damage dealt is non-lethal. It's okay. just, that's going to offset the non-lethal uh, 
minus four penalty. Uh, uh, Nick, for a surprise round, I'm this guy rolled poorly enough on initiative. Uh, this is just easier to to roll y'all in as a regular round. Okay. Um, catch. All right. Uh, your captain has expressed a desire to try and intimidate this guy. Yes. Which will be very effective when he's either at low or uh, unconscious. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, this is what initiative is for. Do your do your catch thing. I was going to say, if this doesn't work, you can... Oh, wait, but if, uh... If I attack him, uh, doesn't that reduce our chances to intimidate? Uh, technically, yeah. uh, uh, inti- intimidating in combat is a... It, you get demoralized, which is not what we want. I wanted to do an actual social check, which I technically can't do because we rolled initiative, but... And we're an initiative. Okay. Well, in that case, I will not feel bad about it because it's the rules and not me. <laughs> 31 to hit is EAC. And let me just roll you some uh, extra damage. Now, what have you done to your gun this time to uh, make it glow blue instead of red? Well, you'll, you'll love it. Um... I activated the Mercy Fusion seal. <laughs> the Mercy Fusion. Uh, very nice. Yes. All right. So Where's all of this damage? gets transformed into non-lethal damage, and that is 42 points of uh, non-lethal fire damage. As catch just kind of, huh? How many times do you get to supercharge your weapon a day? Well, seeing as how it was yesterday that I supercharged, and it's twice a day. Uh, this will ah, be my first yeah. use of this day. Say no more. Yep. That. Uh, yeah. So please describe how this guy crumbles to the floor as you do it. So oh. uh, Catch kind of like pokes his head out the door to just see where he is real quick. Um, squeezes a little bit and like his horns glow a, a blue instead of a red and he kind of like dives out the door and mid-dive he just takes a shot at this guy and it hits like the projectile um hits but like there's a, like a force field and it hits like the force field before like it hits him and uh it just like it throws him back and he falls unconscious I like yes. the thought that you that your horns change color based on the mercy fusion as well because you said that they glowed blue yeah, yeah. Love that. No, they absolutely do that works. Uh, slightly too late, Morales dashes out of the hallway and grabs the radio from his limp body and says, I got it. We got it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. That, sure that guy went down All really right. easy. Should we leave those others outside? They, they can get back in. They're fine. Let's secure the bridge, and then when they come back, we won't have to fight them all at once. All right. Go ahead and roll a, uh, or you know, we'll we'll quickly move in turn order down the hallway because things are happening as you all oh. go. So, um, Maria, move your speed if you want to uh, follow your captain's orders up to the bridge. Oh, go go. Uh, yep. I keep walking down the hallway. That's a double move. Right. Okay, Gus. Okay, let's see. That's a single move. That's a double move. 
All right. Uh, this uh, guy is knocked out. Quick question. He's unconscious. Yeah. Uh, Sloan. All right. Uh, Sloan goes. Uh, it's not a legal move. There we go. Um, who's purple? I can't see. I'm getting very distracted. Um. Apologies. That was me. No worries. Uh, he has 35. I got 80 with two moves. There we go. Right up behind us. All right, Morayoff, at the top of round two here, you hear from the, because uh, there was some time uh, that you all took to get ready and whatnot. So they've been outside for a little bit, say 30 seconds or so. You hear on uh, Koru's radio, uh, Koru, we're coming in. We're, ah, Adalia got hit real hard. And uh, they, that, that's, that's what you get here at the top of round two. And Nuna, what would you like to do? Morayoff will as a free action say, oh, uh, they might be coming in through the airline. Uh, should we uh, raise our arms in peace, maybe? Uh, raise I, suppose, I suppose I could meet them there and try to talk them to surrendering or try to help. Sloan, what do you think? Like the confused old lady lead trick. I was on a cruise ship and now I'm in the drift. What happened? This doesn't look like the Santa Maria. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm kind of not sure which I should do. Um, I think that Nuna would take her cues from, uh, from Sloan, but I admit I'm not sure what you last left it at, Nick. You are muted. Nick, you're muted. Uh, well, we're trying to take this ship, so I imagine let's uh, turn around and tell him to surrender, I guess. Okay. Helping uh, it doesn't seem like a good way to get them to give us their ship. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I All guess right. they are mercs. Yeah, we can just um, say we'll help if. <laughs> oh, I like I like the idea of like the door opens. There's a little lady with a gun. All right, now bring him in slowly. <laughs> All right, we're taking your ship. So, Nuna, you're waiting. You're waiting at the airlock door for them to yes. come in. Yes. Okay. Gun ready. All right. Catch. Catch will come out of the room, but hearing that they're coming back in, he's going to, um, I think, oh goodness. I think, yeah, he's going to stop there and he's going to, uh, point his, his weapon at the door and, uh, aim it. Start charging it, whatever. All right. Catch charges his weapon. Maria. Yeah, I guess Morayoth will move up and ready in action to disarm someone over radio. Morayoth loves radio. <laughs> Got radio lust. Radio lust. All right. Love that man. Close his sheet as he is passed out. Gust, what do? 
Captain, am I moving towards the door or are we still heading for the bridge? Uh, get ready to look at him real mean, Gus. Uh, I'll, I'll try. Um, uh, Make Gus them will, think you're going to gore them. Uh, well, you Gus will this. move back because otherwise. Uh, also, Tom, quick question: Could we have assumed that Gus had his weapon manifested beforehand? Because this is we were going into a possible combat situation. One hundred percent. There we go. So Gus is going to be standing by over there. Angel wing, like, up and at the ready. Like, he's getting ready to swing a baseball bat. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, it, I should now point out, Slot, you seem to have uh, very low hit points. Right? Okay. Oh, I do. Yeah. I shouldn't. I haven't done anything. Yeah, exactly. So, just letting you know so you can fix it as your turn comes are you, up. Are you, are you, are you um, planning to hit me with something there, Tom? Oh, no, 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 no reason in particular. Just, you know, friendly little reminder. Uh-huh. So innocent. So okay. innocent. Uh, I'm going to hold my action for that. I'm going to delay for that door to open. All right. Well, uh, top around three here. Indeed, that door, uh, the airlock door, will open and cycle so let's see i need to set some pieces no we didn't think about the cycling we probably could have let them you know because these two advantage are going oh gosh are we the bad guys we are the bad guys a little bit sometimes um Oh, dynamic lighting now. Oh, gosh, there's just so many moving pieces. Um, the airlock door will cycle, and you will see this sight. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. And uh, what you see is the noir and uh, the human woman uh, both sort of scrambling and uh, uh, scrambling their way into the airlock, and behind them are these two enormous creatures not mechanically enormous they are mechanically huge in fact three by three square Uh, zoom in for our viewers because it's doing the thing again oh yes i apologize uh that is very weird that that's only happening on your computer jet uh it's because Uh, i'm doing something simon suggested where i have a second tab open with roll 20 so that any fiddling around i do isn't visible by others and for some reason shift z goes to that one today Okay. Well then, uh, so yes, you see these two enormous creatures uh, erupting, uh, you know, writhing around in the airlock, and they uh, they screech at the top of the round. We only want you to take us out of the drift, and certainly let you go. Uh, oh. Oh. I don't. I don't trust one bit. Uh. Yeah. Uh, I would like to sense motive on the giant bats. Please. If, if, I, if I may. As would I. Ah, I got a 19. Uh. For a 20. Oh, you know what? <laughs> sense motive is one of the ones I can take 10 on. I should have done it before I rolled it. I was going to say, you got a 19 in 7, so you... you yeah. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. I'm I didn't know I, I rolled a 47. 
<laughs> All right. So, okay. Uh, all right, so you can easily tell that these creatures don't intend to let you go once once you take them in, out of the drift. You don't know why they want to get out of the drift in the first place. You don't really know much about them. This is your introduction to these creatures, which I will tell you, knowing nothing about them, these are Shantaks. That's my guess. Oh, was it really? Yeah. They don't look friendly. Nice. They were screaming so, Cthulhu mythos to me. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So, uh, what... Antinuna, this is the site that greets you as the door opens, and perhaps a little surprising to Antinuna. What would you like to do? Well, Antinuna got a 37 on her motives, sense motives, so... Um, you know, full flame. The, yeah. the Shantax, the big bat creatures. Oh, I should roll these two and put them right. And so can she tell whether they're lying or not? Yes, yeah, they're lying. They they don't intend to let you go if you bring them out of the drift. Gotcha. Uh, well, then Auntie Nuna, I almost called her Minxie. Auntie Nuna will say, I wouldn't believe a word they say, and shoots them with a, <laughs> a get them, basically. Okay. Adalia will say, Oh, yeah, you think? Also, who the hell? And then we continue. <laughs> Say, uh, her name's Adalia. A D A L I A. Adalia. For, yes. for a second, I heard you say Dahlia, and I was like, Grandma. <laughs> uh, That's right. his grandma. He has a grandma, Dahlia. Oh well. Uh, go ahead and roll me that attack, uh, Nuna. I'm not seeing. It. The 23? I do. Ah, there it is. 23 versus, uh, oh, let me give them colors so we can easily distinguish. One is red, one is blue. Which one were you shooting at? Red. All right. Uh, red will, uh, let's see. Oh, boy. That is just a hit on red for a total of nine fire, you say. All right. And red has get him as part of that attack, I assume. Sure does. Excellent. All right. That is Nuna. We are on to catch. Catch, the door opened up and you heard a screeching voice come from within. You are muted, my friend. Darn it. I can see the, I can see red from where I am, right? Looks, looks like I can at least see the here. Yep. Yes, yes, you can. All right. Sorry, I'm muted myself. Um, now, who's muted? Uh, the mute is on the other mouth. Yes. Uh, is going to aim, ignoring four AC from cover and getting a plus one from the scope or uh, the fusion, rather. Uh, there's a lot of attachments on this thing. <clears throat> um, and. Fires at red. Oh, Ooh. is that including that? It that does have a plus two morale bonus for get him. It does. You're ignoring cover. You get four points of it, which is uh, enough. Um, let's see. Is that plus one factored in from the uh, accurate fusion? 
from eight. Yes, it okay. is neat. That versus its EAC is going to miss. I'll take oh a re-roll. no! We have it. Any rerolls left? Let's is that see. one of your charged up shots? I yeah. believe it is. Yes. Uh, Look at the requests queue. Not max charge, but I don't know that anybody's been checking these off. I don't I think, think so either. I uh, one. I Ninjas, Ninjas for sure. This I'll one's anyone can tell. We use that one. Uh, Do we oh. use butt stubbles? They are singing my song. We have not used that one yet. All right. So. If uh, all right, add five to that. Does adding five hit? That does hit. Yes, you ah. are fortunate in that. That hit. Please roll me the extra damage. The gross, gross, dumb amount of extra damage. It's not gross this time. I didn't. I didn't max charge it. Ah, okay. Only eight more. Uh, only eight more is still yes. eight on top of eighteen. It's a significant difference. Uh, that is twenty-six points of fire damage as this creature uh, hisses and shrieks at you. Oh, add add seven more damage to that superior firepower, which I was which I activated. Uh, ah, uh, activate. Okay. So yeah, there we go. That's why. That seems low. Hold on. All right. Well, I see plus specialization, plus seven untyped in your damage roll. Really? Yep. Hold on, hold on. Here, go on to the next. I'll figure out what's going on with that. Okay. I'm going to give it back the seven damage while you figure it out. Okay. All right. Mareoth, we are on to you. Uh, These guys don't have any weapons, right? uh, Just gnashing teeth and slashing claws inconvenient um we will um align our new shield against blue oh boy. and then ah. do a dirty trick on red to uh blind it okay or no that won't stop the flat but it's a let's entangle Uh, 23, 25 with um, Get'em. 25 with Get'em. Uh, that is going to blind, what do you say, red or blue? Entangle red. Entangle red. All right. Uh, I forgot to roll their initiative, so that's, <laughs> that's a bummer. Uh, but yes, that is going to entangle red. And Red was just delaying until this very moment. Waiting for one special moment. Um, can I end my delay before it goes? Uh, sure thing. Um, but let me, sorry, now let me resolve everything. Where are we? Goodness gracious. All right, so you're going to come right before this Shuntak. Yes, please. And all right. So, Mareoth has entangled red. Yes. Yeah, let's uh, bounce in and back, taking a shot at like the closest point where I don't have any hover. Uh, trick attack. Please have a CR of less than eight. That will meet CR of these creatures. So... Uh, 26 versus left foot of the AC. On red, that'll On be red. The, that'll be a hit. Or yes. 28. 28 points of fire damage. Yeah. All right. 
Red is just getting chewed down, and as a result, Red, who is entangled and flat-footed and gettumed, is going to cry out in anger and then remove the entangled. Uh, no, you know what? It's not going to remove the entangled condition. It is angry, um, and it and entangled doesn't impose a fifty percent mischance. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. it does impose a ten percent mischance effectively because of that uh, minus two to attack roll. Added no, not. Yes, it is a CR eight creature. It doesn't care about that. It's going to attack, and it's got a full attack. So. It will lash out with its talons. Uh, let's see. It's gonna reach out and grab Adalia, attack her, um, or try to, and then it will attack Auntie Nuna with its second attack. I feel like Gus All is gonna right. have to multi-class into Wrath Soldier at some point. Oh, yeah. Um... So it manages to catch Adalia, and Adalia is not looking good, and she is in the claws of this creature. Which one is Adalia? uh, The human woman uh, on the right. And then it grabs for Auntie Nuna with its other hand, and Auntie Nuna a 27 versus your KAC. You are muted, my friend. At least I'm not hearing you. Uh, I will. That's weird. Uh, well, Auntie Nuna's AC is 23. Ah, oh, beautiful. Uh, because uh, Auntie Nuna will take 20 points of slashing damage. And then Auntie Nuna is grabbed, be- uh, grappled rather, because these claws have the grab property. So that beat her KAC plus four. And as a result, she is grappled by this creature. I'm going to put a red dot on her to show that she is grappled. Oh, as well we as ah, there you go. I can hear you. Oh no! I had put it on push to talk, but my keyboard is not hooked up. Apple has a lot of annoying things. If I was actually Auntie Nuna, I'm sure I would have taken care of that before now. <laughs> I don't know if Auntie Nuna right. likes Apple. Gus. Yes, indeed. You hurt my grandma. I'm unhappy about this. I'm going to walk in there and I am, I've got my little targeting sensor. I'm just going to aim probably like maybe where the neck joins the, this muscle here, who his name escapes me, or maybe for the armpit. And I'm just going to thrust my angel wing at them and leave like a rainbow trail. Ah, a 27 versus the AC for 22 electric and fire damage. Uh, that will connect. That will deal 22 electric and fire damage. This Shantu, uh, Shantak is not happy about that. Leave my grandma alone! And I guess this other person. <laughs> and as a result, Blue is going to uh, focus, focus some attacks on this new challenger who is clearly much more of a threat than these two uh, mercenaries. Uh, Shuntak, the blue, is going to make a full attack on Gus. Uh, one with a white, and one with a talon. This, this is a full attack. No, I am not entangled. Ooh! 
Uh, 25 versus your KAC. Or 20 points of uh, piercing damage from the fangs. Oh, how much did you say? Uh, 20. Okay, so I will ignore 7 of that, and then I'm going to defensive dispersal. So I'll ignore 18 of 20. Okay. Obnoxious. And then uh, the talons will lash out with a 24 versus your KAC. Uh, that will hit. All right. That doesn't exceed by four, does it? Uh, 21 is my KAC. Oh, it's a by one. Uh, please take 17 points of slashing damage then. Okay. And that will be all. Uh, so, we're now on to Adalia. Um, Adalia is... Nope. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, we'll put Dauros uh, ahead. Uh, Dauros is going to uh, run uh, because he is uh, he is injured. Uh, but uh, no, but his captain is uh, grabbed by this creature. Uh, Dauros is going to take an attack on the red. Uh, let's see. He's going. To... I mean, if he looks if he looks torn, Wrath will say, uh, "You should you should run. We will take care of the uh, your friend." He'll he'll consider your words for a second. And you know you don't know who we are, but we are not big bug monsters. We are very small bug monsters. Just abandoned my captain. And he will turn around and headbutt this thing with his horns for an unarmed strike. He rolled a natural one. So he misses wildly with his horns, and then the captain's going to shout, You pronking idiot, get out of here! Uh, and <laughs> she will... I guess she's going to uh, try an acrobatics check to escape this thing's grip. Don't do uh, it, it's impossible. Roll a d20. I got an 11. That's, like, just good enough to maybe... Maybe, but she's only, she's a low CR. Oh, ten. It's 10 above K, it's Yeah, yeah, and she doesn't have acrobatics listed. She's a mechanic, so, uh, yep. So she struggles against this thing's grip. Uh, Auntie Nuna, it is your turn. Well, Auntie Nuna wants to step back out of grabbing range, and she'll stand over this body. Well, not body. I think he's just unconscious, but you know he does have a body, but he yes. is living. Yes. Um, she's gonna renew the uh, da, 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 the get him on red and shoot him. Get back at that mean monster. Alright, as you do that, blue is going to take an attack opportunity on you. Life is hard. Each. Life is hard. Um, oh, and I got a nat one. Life sucks. Blue gets a 39 versus Ooh. your KAC. Yeah, that just that just shreds Ooh. it. Just just uh, just by that much. So you are, I'm not even going to ask, you are pinned as per the condition. As, oh! As slams Do I take damage? The, what? Do I take damage? 
Yes, uh, 16 points of damage, slashing, Ooh. as this uh, this thing sort of uh, just sees you taking a shot at Red, its friend, and lashes out with its claws, piercing through uh, the the armor directly into your arm that was shooting, probably causing that natural one. Mm. And you are now pinned. The only thing you can do is try to escape, uh, I believe, as per the pin condition. We'll look that up, but right now it's Ketch's turn. You are muted. Ketch is going to grit his teeth and uh, squeeze the the handle of his gun, uh, aim down the sights, and and fire again. Not bothering to charge it fully this time. He's he's getting a little desperate. Shooting it right again. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy. So that is an 18 versus red. Uh, 19 with coordinated shot versus red's flat-footed EAC. I, I hate to say it, but I have coordinated shot checked on my box. I have ah, get them checked well, on my box here. I, this is this is everything. At, all the bonuses added in. The good news is you don't keep track of flat-footed on your sheet. I keep it on my sheet. And that lowers its EAC to 18. That is a hit. I was going to say, so, I'm also ignoring four, four points of cover. And that is important too. Uh, All right. Scope. Marvel. Here's the additional 1d6. (laughs) One point of damage. Well, goes from 24 points to 25. And this creature misses and says, please, if you bring us out of the drift, I swear to you that we will. And continues, you know, rambling on. They're the, the sense motives stand from before. They are still full of fleet. These things hate you. Uh, catch is done. Mareoth. Can we tell what these things are? Just like a life science? Uh, yeah, you can make me a... I want to say mysticism. Yes, these are magical beasts. Go ahead and make me a mysticism check. Resident mystic. Oh, not a good roll. A 19. 19. Uh, these are rare creatures. Not often seen. You have no idea what these are. Okay. You don't even know their name. Sorry. We will name them Fred. Um, <laughs> all right. We will uh, really trying to take out this left one before it takes another turn. We will take a full attack against it. All right. Ooh. That Those is, are uh, both 31 hits. damage. All right. Now, you are going to learn something interesting about these creatures as the cold from your gun sort of just dissipates across their, their hide. Of course. So, Everything's resistant to cold. Give me uh, the D4. The last D4 is going to be the electric damage. And I don't know. Do we do we cut your level specialization in half or? No, that's all cold. Okay. So you do four electric and two electric. You do a total of six points of electricity. Still not nothing, as this thing seems to be getting weaker and weaker. Uh, So it completely shrugged off the gold? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. It is immune to cold, it seems. Sloan Rider. It's in the vacuum of space, so... Yeah. You know, you say that, but there's so much stuff in the vacuum of space that you can deal cold damage to. That's that's true. But... 
you know, this is really like the worst thing about exploring space um, is that there are a bunch of mythos horrors in space. Um, yeah, it's where they yeah. come from. It's where <laughs> they come from. It is their home territory and they don't like us. Uh, Sloan is going to bounce in and out again with another trick. All right. Oh, it's already taken its attack. Uh, that's a 25 versus flat-footed EAC. All right, tell me how you destroy, deal the final blow to this Shantak as you dart down the hall. Oh, uh, I mean, Sloane's using uh, sense motive, so she notices that it's nursing a bad-looking gash, maybe across its stomach, um, and just aim, takes aim right into that spot. Love it. All right, Sloane brings down red and it drops to the ground with a thud releasing the captain adalia and run <laughs> actually oh, and that was run until blue takes it at that opportunity <laughs> that was very important because that was it was going to be red's turn uh gus what would you like to do uh hearing the other noir talk about protecting their captain gus will nod at them in a certain sense of like camaraderie and then shift his attention allowing his little uh, nanite made sensor to point out some weak points and then he is going to thrust his angel wing into this beast hopefully uh, I do have to toggle off get him unfortunately but angel wing go uh, but I rolled incredibly poop. I rolled a three on the die. <laughs> Why? Sorry, I must have been muted. Why is there a minus two penalty on that attack? Deadly aim. Ah, right. You said it. Okay. All right. Well, yep. That's going to be a miss. So we go on to this champion and. It it's going to so it currently has wait, 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 wait. real quick I'm sorry Go. I'm super sorry uh, I am going to uh, 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 swift action spend a nanite surge I'm going to create a cloud because I can now have multiple arrays active this one is just at level three and is that so us? my secondary array. Uh, wow, I flip-flopped them. Uh, my... As the secondary array, I can fill up six squares. That's really cool. Uh, Simon asks a good question. Does this block line of sight or provide concealment for the monster or anything like that? Uh, I have to spend a... I have to spend another nanite surge on the next turn to create a mischance. Okay. I thought you could spend it as part of the summoning... Maybe I can. I, I can double check. Uh, okay. The stationary form. So I'll let you take a look at that real quick as I talk about what the Shantu's got going oh, when on. When I form it, I can spend a nanite surge. I was also spending. I, I could. If you want me to have generate a mischance, I can do that. But will it affect us? Uh, it would, I believe, affect everybody. Uh. Everybody in the no, everybody in the cloud. 
So okay. you will it not doesn't have provide enough concealment to hide, and your attacks ignore any mischance provided by my cloud. That's me, though. This doesn't stack with existing com- concealment. Uh, a, uh, yeah, it, it, it would affect you guys if I were to spend that, but I'm basically doing it so I can be a little bit more maneuverable. One, two, three. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it unless we have like ways to mitigate concealment. Yeah, I, I'm not spending the extra. I'm not spending the nanite surge to grant concealment. I'm creating the cloud because it lets me take ten foot, five foot steps. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. 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 So the Shantu has Auntie Nuna pinned right now, so it's going to definitely take one attack on her. Uh, it'll take a uh, another claw on Auntie Nuna, and it will take a claw on Gus. So two attacks: first at Nuna, second at Gus. Uh, 32 versus Auntie Nuna? Yeah. Okay. Uh, your KAC is what again? KAC is, I want to say, like, says you're only 23. All right. The good news is I did not roll a 36, so you are merely grappled and not pinned, uh, as you also take 20 points of slashing damage. Oh. Then... Gus, you are going to get a 27 versus your KAC. That will hit. All right. I believe that beats you by four as well. Uh, uh, so you, Yep, that does beat me by four. You are grappled and take 21 points of slashing damage. And uh, Daoros will run. Uh, Marayoth will, as she looks to be running, suggest... I, I know you don't trust us, but you could wait until we make it unable to attack you when you move. Uh, he will sort of look skeptically at you, but hold his turn this time. We are very friendly. We are <laughs> death stealing the ship. <laughs> but we're very friendly about it. And we'll delay until after y'all go. Um, Adalia, oh, man. I've been doing my, the wrong KAC. We'll do the same thing. If... The darn thing would let her move there. All right. Nuna, it is your turn. All right. Well, uh, so I really can't take any actions. Um, what about like... Grappled now. Yeah. Okay. So grappled is different. You're grappled, than... so you may, you may take actions. You just can't move. I can't move. And to get out of the grapple, what would I need to do? Sleight of hand? Right. Kill it. Mm. Pray. Pray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I think I'll just uh, get him on blue. I mean, he's got me and it's just yeah. speaking. Um, and then also, uh, I'm not going to die like this and give myself uh, an inspiring boost, I believe. Love <laughs> it. Perfect. Perfect. All right, it's Ketch. Red has dropped. What would you yes, like to do? Yes, indeed. Uh, so Ketch is going to run over here and his horns begin to glow. All righty. That is Ketch. Maria. Um, in order to try to give... Actually, let me delay until after slot. We'll see how that goes. Okay, so now uh, Sloan. It is your turn. Um, 
All right, let's bounce around the edge of this door. Take a shot and then go back outside. Yeah. All right. Too many people in the way. <laughs> uh, that's a 32 versus flat-footed EAC, though. 32 versus flat-footed is, of course, a hit. That is 26 points of fire damage. And Imagining Auntie Nuna being like, sorry, I'm in the way, dear. No, you're not in the way. Everybody else is in the way. He's this crew of mercs incompetent. Morayoth. So he's five-footed now? Five-footed and get him. Okay. So Morayoth will say, okay, you should run now. Morayoth, uh, Try to disarm Auntie Nuna from from the the creature. <laughs> don't think it works that way. The the two will uh, retreat back up the hallway. And actually, to be fair, um, I looked into it. Uh, inspiring boost. She can only inspire others, not herself. So, can we say that? Oh wait, did I already gave I already gave Gus some? That some was a previous day, I believe. Because remember, we had a robot fight, then it's the next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Well, then I uh, have 17 points back. I uh, will not Anna. say no to that. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, uh, oh, sorry, it's Morayoth. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, the disarming someone who is grappled seems fun, but I'm worried about setting a precedent here. So leave it yeah. in your hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's not going to work. That's the right uh, call. Um, then yes. Morales will uh, blind the uh, no, sorry, entangle the big bad creature. Okay. Alright. That is going to be a miss. Well, um, yeah, so two for get um, effectively two for flat-footed. Um, is that all? One uh, for coordinated shot is plus five, so 21 versus KAC. 21 versus its KAC, and you're factoring in flat-footed in that way that... Uh, um, it's KAC. Is two of those five. Uh, that is going to be a miss. Okay. Yep. All right. So now we're on to Gus. All right. Um, Gus is going to allow his angel wing to disperse and a spike as a swift action is going to shoot out of his palm and he's going to attempt to jab it into the Shantak. Uh, and I am turning off Deadly Aim. I just All want right. to make contact. Probably <laughs> yeah. a good idea. Right, submit. 27 versus KAC for 18 piercing damage. And uh, a DC 17 fortitude save. DC 17 fortitude save. This thing is pretty good at fortitude. But not when it it rolls a natural one. Um, It got a 13. All right. It takes 2d6 damage immediately, and it needs to make that save every turn. As nanites ravage its body, I've injected some of my nanites into it, and they're just ripping through capillaries and blood vessels. I'm a good boy. <laughs> Leave my grandma alone. Uh, Daros and Dahlia have already moved up the hall. 
So now it's the Shentak's turn. Uh, the Shentak is uh, not grappled, not entangled or any of that garbo. It is going to, let's see, it's got both of you grappled. So it's going to take one attack on both of you with its talons. First at Auntie, second at Gus. A 30 versus Auntie Nunes. KAC uh, will do 22 slashing and you are re-grappled. Oh, Jesus. And then okay. I got a natural 20 on your boy Gus for a total of 39 points of slashing damage. Gus, and you are grappled. One second. You are pinned. You, you said 29 damage or 39? 39. 39. Well, I'm going to... <sighs> <laughs> so, so 28 damage. Right, right. Uh, and the Chantak will make a fortitude save against your poison. Uh, rolling, you won't believe it, another natural one. Uh, so it'll take that 2d6 again, yes? Yep. As right. nanites just rip into it. <laughs> Okay, uh, that is that is a lot, and I'm glad that I got that crit on Gus. Auntie Nuna, it is your turn. Oh, Auntie Nuna's down to five. Wait, 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 Tom, sorry, I'm super sorry. That was a critical hit. Cytoconversion, there's a chance that didn't happen. Oh, snap. Go ahead, roll me cytoconversion. It happened. I'm sorry, I it just happened. wanted to... All right, excellent, <laughs> we continue on. <laughs> Auntie Nuna. Auntie Nuna is down to five, count of five HP. Um, so I don't suppose I'd be able to use um, my Mark One Serum of Healing. You can draw it and then administer it to yourself. Okay. As a standard. Uh, draw it as a move, administer as a standard. Yeah. Also, I don't know why that... 1d8. 1d8. Thank you. Nuna doesn't need any healing potions, I think. She's never near the front lines, I think. (laughs) This is how Sloan almost died in book one. Hello! (laughs) We're here to... Oh, shit! (laughs) Oh, flame! Okay, next turn. Flame. Unflame. Yep. Five points of healing back to Auntie Nuna, and we move on to catch. Uh, he, he's frantic. He's, he's sweating at this point. He sees Nuna within an inch of her life, and he, he aims uh, through the scope and fires. Ha <laughs> ha! 31 to hit the sucker! Dang! Alright, roll me that beautiful bean footage, my friend. Fully charged another 21 for a max... 41 damage, fire damage to this guy. 41? Alright. <laughs> that that fire damage connects with, uh, we'll say, its shoulder, and it reels backwards and screams in pain. And, oh no. The gun... <laughs> the gun, it's, it's the gun kind of, like, oh. separates down the middle, and big jets of steam vent out the sides. <laughs> and it's Sloane's turn. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think this is over. Let's um, careful now. You're tempting the hubris fairy. I am tempting the hubris fairy. Operative death ready. machine. Ah, oh. uh. <laughs> with uh, thirty six points of fire damage. 
Sloan has managed to drop both of these things. Nick, please describe your kill for the second time this fight. Uh, um, uh, Jet, Jet, how, do, how does Sloan kill it? Um, you Help. draw aim at, over Gus's struggling body, and you just saw him, like, punching holes in this thing w- with his spur, and as he pulls his fist back, you just happen to be like, bam, and you fire that shot, and that bolt just hits that chewed up piece of hide where that's been perforated so much and the it just goes deep just burning it from the inside riddled with bullet holes nanites sort of frothing from that spot where yeah uh, it 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 drops to the floor and we will uh we will fade out on captain adalia sort of uh limping back down the hall towards you all and once again demanding who the hell are you? <laughs> and well, that's a fun story. You see, <laughs> yeah. And we'll fade to black on Sloan spinning some bull flame. And all no right, to self make up good bull flame for next week. Perfect. How rare that you get a whole week to come up with it? Three weeks, <laughs> isn't it? Or is it three weeks? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, we are going to go to. Uh, uh, brief break as we get ready for we switch things up behind the scenes and we get leo all set for an interview with us so don't go anywhere as we disappear uh for an interview with leo glass author of book two of this ap as well as managing editor at paizo so everybody uh we are in a shiny new slide because we have a friend of the show and writer of book two leo glass uh managing editor and author of fly free or die book two merchants of the void all-around cool guy uh leo welcome thank you i'm happy to be here hi everybody hey yeah it's good to have you it's always exciting when people actually want to talk to us I mean, we like to talk to to us, but you know, it's yeah. kind of different. Why wouldn't they? I have the whole show around huge, that for the last couple of years. Of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, welcome to non-standard action. You uh, recently, you know, recently found us uh, because we were running Merchants of the Void, and uh, it was very cool of you to stop by. Like that was really awesome when you stopped by in uh, PaizoCon uh, to was it? No, it was. Yeah, it was during PaizoCon weekend. Um, yep. And you said hi. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh, that's, no. that's Leo Glass. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was very exciting. Um, we writers and creators are like vampires. We soak in your tears, uh, <laughs> your fear, and all of your excitement. When So, honestly, I was kind of just like a narcissistic vampire watching you. You must have got. That I worked on, just uh, soaking all that up. So You anyway, must have got yeah, such yeah, a big jolt. Thank you for giving me that. You must get such a big jolt when I took that crit from Renovia the Gentle. Oh, oh, I loved it. Loved it. It was was fantastically. It honestly helped me write something I was working on that night. Uh, So yes, thank you. Way to take the damage. 
Uh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was a great moment in that fight. Um, and I guess as a reminder, I think I forgot to remind everybody, but I'm pretty sure Leo has listened through book two and that's it. So anything after the, uh, Com 93 fight, don't talk about book three and like all of the stuff and whatnot. He has not listened to that. So we don't want to spoil it. <laughs> But he has when, probably read the books. Well, but he Yeah, but know. we can't we can't ask other questions. Like yeah. one of the ones that we thought about before we spoke with you was um what did our show do differently than you would have expected? Um like where do we like what did we do similar? Where did we just kind of take a total left turn? Sure. Well the 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 really cool part about the way that Jake Condro, the lead developer on Fly Fury Die, structured the outline and the whole structure is it's really meant and kind of contrary in some ways to like you'll even notice small little differences. Other Starfinder APs talk about PCs like heroes or, uh, you know, calls them characters. Uh, Mercury of the Void and all of Fly Fury Die uh, call them the crew. And that's very, very intentional so that if you want to play uh, evil, alignment and sort of more evil themes if you want to play uh kind of with neutral pcs or uh with good the way i think it's meant to be played with a cast of all of them in the crew um i think that's really where it shines uh and so um uh i think that uh uh as far as what you all did differently frankly um i think it was set up so that you could do a lot of things differently no matter what way i was i loved it when sloan uh said no Rigan, this isn't gonna work uh and decided to take them out for taking out the harlow twins prayer i thought that was a huge highlight but if you want to work with Rigan and that like i've seen other parties uh just kind of negotiate with him and be like yeah you're an a-hole but you know do your thing um and uh, i really love that uh i love the adam and scale because technically, if you wanted to hunt down uh, and like do that whole thing, you could, and you'd get paid. Uh, I had to buy a bar and be like, "Here's big cheese, go ahead." And I really enjoyed, but I wanted to do that. Leo, uh, Leo, sorry to derail you. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. cutting in and out just a little bit, and I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You were mostly yeah, I, understandable until that last little bit, and then all of a sudden it was yeah. Charlie Brown's parents. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to stay. Yeah, I think I think that's better. Um, Man, we can't ask him things that get him excited, though. I know. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, um, you were you were around where we could turn in Agabana for money. Yes. So yes, you could turn her in if you want. So as far as like what you did differently. Um, I think that the AP presented challenges, frankly, uh, to write because it really was structured. There was kind of a branching structure, uh, and different parties could play it. But you were rogues with a heart of gold, is how I saw it, and I thought that uh, that that was pretty cool um, to see that play out that way. So, yeah. And who doesn't like playing rogues with a heart of gold? Right. Maybe I've just watched too much Leverage and Burn Notice, and you know. <laughs> All of those, or a, Robin Hood a Men nude, in or a nude shaved Minotaur with a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a choice. <laughs> that was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Gus is a series of choices. <laughs> I'm nothing if not eccentric in my choices. Oh, okay. Here's something you did differently that scared me. When Gus got taken by the Hall of Fame and was like taken down into the water in part three, I was just sitting there going, get get down there, please, because I wrote that creature and he's going to die. I was definitely freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Prepping the hollow fang, I was very worried about that as well. But then I was like, you know what? If anybody can take it, it's Gus. Gus, you're going in the, you're in the drink now. I, I, f- I fully ex- accept any death that comes Gus's way because he's gonna leap into that death, like drill or plasma sword first. Uh, I fully intended for him to jump down on top of that thing before it grabbed me and sucked me inside it. This dies. Sloan is gonna have very violent words with whatever kills Gus. I think we all will. <laughs> oh, yeah. There'll, there'll be yeah. an operative death machine who is unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, but ever, ever since that mining accident, Gus has just been looking for a way to end it anyways. <laughs> I'll, 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 our own time. I'll, I'll say this and only this. Watch out for book six. Oh. Watch out for book six. There's a nasty... As there I know... Continue. I'm very excited for book six. That's knowing knowing what I know on the horizon about book six. That's gonna there's gonna be a lot of uh, dips and turns and whatnot. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I know you and I have talked a little bit, uh, Leo, about uh, what I did differently uh, on the GMing side, and namely in taking Tarika, uh, which. My my friends, Tariq was evil. never written into the AP as somebody that was kidnapped. I just saw you that you all loved her. Evil jerk. Evil. Oh, no. Tom evil. Is, Tom is horrible. Just terrible. <laughs> if I had we... the Carnage symbiote from that brief era in the 90s, I'd send him through the internet at you right now to slap you. <laughs> Jake and I talked about that, and we thought that was too far. We thought it was too far to take Tarika because I threw that out there I was like you know we could abduct Tarika and Jake was like yeah you know it's pretty direct and then I thought Tom oh, no. oh he went there got real and I, I, I... I am going to jump right into another question. Uh, As much as I enjoy talking about how devious I am, I love talking about myself. (laughs) Talk about me. Uh, Leo, you're the managing editor at Paizo. Uh, What does that, what does that do? What does that mean at Paizo? What do you, what are your roles there? Or what's your job? So I've worked at Paizo for about three and a half years. Uh, I started actually as an editor. Uh, I had been an editor, a technical editor in grant writing for about uh, three years before that. So I've worked and I've, I've had other editing jobs before then. So I've been an editor about eight or nine years or so, uh, and a technical editor for about seven of those, which there's a distinction that maybe we'll talk about, who knows. But uh, anyway, I started at Paizo, really enjoyed it. Had always wanted to work in games. I was an independent video game developer for a little bit in my career. So um, 
on the PC side and so kind of wanted to go back into that, have been a role-playing games fan for a long time and said, you know what, I bet I could get hired. I have all the skills I need to be successful in that industry. And I got really lucky. The very first job I applied to was an editor job at Paizo and Judy Bauer hired me, Eric Mona hired me and wow. here I am. Uh, so that That's was really, dream. really cool and very validating. Uh, and uh, um, then I went on to become a senior editor in my second year at Paizo. And then Judy ended up transitioning to a job at Wizards of the Coast and works there now, our, our former managing editor. Uh, hi, Judy. We love you. We miss you. Uh, and uh, she went there and I got promoted to managing editor. My responsibilities are I manage a team of, of, of seven amazingly talented editors who work with the developers and designers to make Paizo products uh, uh, like... Uh, uh, obviously, like Life for Your Die or the Galaxy Exploration Manual, Starfinder products, Pathfinder products, etc. Uh, and our job um, is a lot of people don't really understand what editors do uh, in the games industry. So maybe I'll talk about that for a second, too. But um, I'm primarily there to, to manage and direct the team. But I also edit just like everybody else. And a, a RPG editor is a lot different. And I, I say technical editor because it's our job. It's a very complex, I call it a generalized specialist position because uh, you really need to be able to know how to edit rules text. You need to have strong, so you have to have strong game knowledge, obviously, of, of how all the systems work, which as you've all noticed, there are some very significant differences between Starfinder and Pathfinder 2. Uh, and so we are one of the only teams that work across all of the, the product lines as well. Most developers are either Starfinder or Pathfinder. So we, I kind of tease the developers sometimes that we know the systems better than they do. It's not true at all, but I tease them uh, that we do because we have to know uh, all of our systems. So we have to have strong rules editing knowledge. We have to have strong grammar uh, and spelling uh, sort of editing ability, but we also edit for format. When you see those really nice, beautiful layouts where everything is poppy fit correctly, that's because an editor went through a lot of times and just made sure everything on the page really fit exactly where it needed to go. Uh, obviously developers help with that in copy fitting too. And then we edit art, which is why I teased about the robot loincloths today, uh, because we also <laughs> try to make sure uh, that uh, art aligns with the canon. And then we have canonical editing, frankly, uh, and sort of story editing and narrative editing. We want the, we are also stakeholders in the story. And so if something doesn't work, we'll cut it out uh, or we'll uh, work with the developer to revise it. So editing is a very, it's it's why when I get a lot of resumes and, and I love getting resumes, but people will be like, hey, I'm a really good copy editor. Will you hire me? And I say, I'm sorry if that's all that we were hiring for. Yes, absolutely. But you be about four other things work on those skills and then we can talk but yeah it's a it's a very uh generalized specialist position but that's that's in a nutshell what i do a wow. generalized specialist position <laughs> yeah right it's a weird so it's a it's you know kind of a bs justification just to say we have many hats but yeah we have many hats well no yeah that's that's a lot of so you're basically you are there's the writers and then there's the editors, which are responsible for making everything sort of fit and make sense in the wider, the bigger picture. Right. So there's the designers who work on the rules text. So they work on the core rule books and uh, kind of the assistant uh, uh, sort of like splat books. Like Joe is a, the lead Starfinder designer and worked on the Galaxy Exploration Manual, which I have a copy of here. Uh, but then so they, they kind of come up with the palette or the canvas that we can play with. Then the developers like Jake, who worked on Fly Free or Die, they come up with the ultimate story, sort of that uh, an AP 
uh, is going to tell. Uh, and then they work very closely with the editors. So, and they hire the writers. So the writers write the thing, the developer develops the thing, really kind of tries to make it sing. And then the editors are the last narrative touch, if that makes sense on, on, on the document. And so honestly, developers and editors have a lot in common. It's just, if you're focused on kind of like pre-production side of things versus post-production side of things, but there's a lot of overlap in the skills and abilities. And a lot of editors become developers, some developers become editors. It, it's a little interchangeable in that way. Mm -hmm. oh. It's interesting because that sounds a bit like the process for making comic books, like mm -hmm. that um, editors are really important for and they're very invisible in in comics, especially. Um, right. You mentioned that you're interested in comics. Is that something that you've ever thought about doing? Have you ever wanted to write for comics or edit? Oh, if I got that shot, I'd take it in a heartbeat. But I'm I'm very very <laughs> yeah, happy. Yeah, I'm very happy to be an RPG author right now. The mm -hmm. Merchants of the Void. I've written smaller things. Uh, I've written for organized play a good amount. But uh, my first standalone adventure was actually Merchants of the Void. So um, I, I'm kind of, I just kind of cut my teeth, honestly. Okay. So I think I'm going to stay here for a while uh, and, and see where it goes. But yeah, I mean, if, if uh, somebody came calling, especially if I could work on like the Firefly comics or, you know, so, like something, <laughs> or if they, if they did a, uh, the Black Company by Glenn Cook, if they're like, hey, we want, oh. right? Tom's, Tom's no. face. I love it. Yeah. Um, if they did something like that, Ashley, my partner asked me once, she's like, you know what? What's the property that if somebody came calling, you would just, it would be uh, Black Company, like Glenn Cook. So if they wanted to do comics, I would be like, yes, please. Um, Velvet, as we talked comics, about. does comics, though, right? What's that? Paso has a few comics, right? Yes, very true. Um, we have very talented writers already for those comics in Crystal Frazier, <laughs> Eric Mona, <laughs> uh, et cetera. But yes, there are, there are Paizo comics. Yep. Awesome. I haven't looked at, are there Starfinder ones yet? I've seen the Paizo, yes. or the Pathfinder ones. I just haven't seen Starfinder. They're in Spiral of Bones. There are, at the end of every Spiral of Bones comic, there are four to eight pages of a Starfinder story that's Navasi ship using the Iconics that I believe Eric Mona wrote. And it's a really, really good uh, story that's in the back of those. I don't know if there's anything standalone yet. Um, there might be, and Eric might be watching this and going, Leo, you should be talking about this thing, but I I, I don't know. Uh, but I know in Spiral of Bones, there's at least some Starfinder comics that Eric wrote that are fantastic. I've read them all. I'm uh -huh. writing that down because I did not know about that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm interested in hearing if uh, you said you were an indie game developer a while back. What, what uh, anything uh, we'd recognize that you worked on? Anything nothing you, nothing you would have heard of, Life, because That's we, well, we we um, we tried to kickstart a game called Adopted, which uh, was a, about exploring human relationships from the eyes of a dog. You were an adopted dog, uh, and this was about the time the uh, the Oculus Rift came out, and so you played in. Uh, kind of a animated art style and you were the dog and you went through the world but these adults had real life uh, real adult problems and using your sense of smell you could kind of detect what they were doing and then you could sort of use things that dogs do uh, kind of my narrative as a writer on that game was I wonder if dogs like selectively destroy things to bring people together if they sort of like make mischief or like sometimes I wonder what do dogs know as sort of the secret agents of our lives, uh, you know, that can help us come together? So we made a prototype level. You could probably find that 
uh, if you dug uh, to our Kickstarter and play it. We did have a playable level that you could you play through, uh, but we, our Kickstarter, I'm a realist, maybe to a fault, so we didn't do the Kickstarter thing that some folks do, which is, hey, we'll take some money and get started. We asked for all the money we needed to actually produce it, and we made, we got about uh, 40% of the way there, which for a, a studio that had no no real notoriety at the time, we did well, but I will tell you that whole team, our animator now, I believe is at Hairbrain Schemes uh, working. I'm obviously a writer and editor at Paizo. Our lead developer uh, is at Infinity Ward and works on uh, Call of Duty. Uh, so three of the four people on that team all went into the games industry and we were all from Nebraska, a place where games are not. So I think it's kind of a testament to how, how amazing that team of people we put together was, frankly. Yeah, that, no. that sounds uh, fantastic. That sounds so, awesome. yeah, we, I would have absolutely played that game too. That sounds that <laughs> that makes me think of the like the little Tumblr story, like from the perspective of dogs, we are elves. Yeah. And we yeah, are their, yeah. like their custodians, and then at the end of our life, they're kind of ours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a little weird from other writers. I was just talking to Linda Zayas Palmer about this, who's a fantastic, fantastic Pathfinder and Starfinder writer, and a fantastic uh, manager, manager and developer for uh, organized play. Definitely check out her stuff. Um, we, I was talking about her process, and it was so funny how different writers' processes sometimes can be. Because for mine. Mine is really to start with um, just something that, like what I would call a dilemma, that I want the players to explore kind of a major dramatic question. And for Unforgiving Fire, an OP scenario I wrote, it was about forgiveness uh, uh, and exploring self-forgiveness, but also that self-loathing that when we mess up, that sort of always will be there. Uh, and I don't want to have an answer. I think a good AP uh, sort of sort of uh, doesn't have an answer. And I loved when you all, Simon, I'm going to call you out for a second. I loved when you were like, is this an allegory sort of for like the United States? Uh, like, are the atom at scale? Like, is this sort of like working in this way? And then I think it was Nick maybe or Sloan that was kind of like, no, she's just evil and we need to kick her ass or something. And I was just like, this is perfect. This is exactly what it should be. That yes, there might be something there uh, that, that this is really, about uh, the way that politics and imperialism work and sort of kind of crush people down. Or uh, it might not be about that. And it's all just, and it's diverted and can be kind of reader response. So anyway, um, <laughs> I did want to say something about Tom's ending for book two, because I thought it was brilliant. Uh, you all probably don't know because you haven't read it, uh, uh, but uh, book two ends on a, a more macabre, grim note than than your uh, version it actually uh, the way that i wrote it uh, was to end it with kind of the adamant scale covering everything up and it going back to agavana being blamed for what happens uh at palm 93 and you not getting that payoff but tom sent me a message uh that was like i think my players will latch onto that and we will spend more and more sessions uh exploring that and i need to move on to the other books and i said and i, and I was op i was open-minded i was like okay i'll wait i'll see i'll see how and honestly i thought it was brilliant i thought it really worked for uh uh how it worked for you all and it was cool to see sloan it kind of have that moment of relief of like, okay, cool, the world isn't as totally messed up as it could have been right now. There is a little bit of justice. And so the cynic in me kind of went, ah, maybe Aww. I was being a little too too uh, 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 pessimistic with that. So. I 100% think that... probably needed that a little bit, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I 100% think yeah. we would have yeah. dug in and we would have just been <laughs> undying enemies oh. of the adamant scale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we would have turned this into, like, vengeance, especially since they, you know, 
took Tarika. It got Tarika. <laughs> yeah, right. well, and, and Sloan still hasn't got, you know, her budget to get the stewards. Like, she doesn't need another big thing to fight. <laughs> too, too much vengeance yeah. for, one, for one arc. <laughs> well, and there was a real mechanical reason for that for me, because Jake often says kind of to all the AP authors, if you can find continuing the campaign arcs later, since this only goes to 13 and people often want high-level content, create create situations that they might want to follow up on later. So honestly, I left it the way I did so that people could really dig in and engage maybe another cell later or something like that at higher levels when it's probably more appropriate. Because if you think about it, one very valid criticism of Merchants of the Void is that could Agavana at level like five really do some of the things she was doing effectively? I don't know, you know, who knows? Uh, that's where the mechanics and the story kind of make weird things happen but i you know i said yeah yeah she can let's do it because i wanted to tell a cool story and i love cool villains and i will tell you i'm hoping jake has teased me a little bit recently but uh i'm hoping merchants is not the last you see of the atom at scale uh Ooh. there are some rumors perhaps that down the road they will make an appearance so i'm hoping awesome. they come back and hopefully i'll be involved but uh, you know there's lots of great starfinder writers who could do them justice so i would love that uh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a big fan of the Vescarium uh, as as a concept. Uh, the Vescarium. I can't <laughs> underline it enough. <laughs> uh, it's an imperialism. Well, yeah, okay. So I don't actually love the Vescarium. I'm just obsessed with stories about the Vescarium, if that makes sense. Um, you meant I'm just poking fun. I know, yes. It's a very uh, well-written backstory and everything and timeline. Oh, and they're so, oh, they're so badass. They're just, it's just like, oh, man. So, um, but they're yeah. Great, like Cold War enemy type type uh, yes. thing with the back worlds. Yeah, like where we're still not quite certain. It's like, mm-hmm. the Vescarium is still a little questionable, but... Uh, as long as we yeah. have the swarm, we are friends with the Vescarium. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and I um, love it too, Tom. I mean, that's that's kind of when Jake said, do you want to write a tour of the Vescarium? Like, do you want to explore that? I said, yes. Please uh, give me that. And I grew up on a farm too. I, I'm a I'm a rancher, honestly, by kind of the first like 18 years of my life. And so when you're herding Defrexus, that's very inspired by that part of my life. Uh, uh, you know, I've I've driven cattle before. I know what that's like. I know what the challenges are when you're driving awesome. them. On a, a, and a, and it's actually based on a story uh, when I was like I don't know 12 or so. My dad and I we were in uh, his pickup truck and we came upon a a mother cow, uh, a heifer, and her calf, uh, and the the calf was stuck. Uh, I believe no, it might have been the calf or the mom. I, I'm I'm not sure what I remember, but I know one of them uh, was stuck in a sand pit, uh, pretty much, and couldn't get out. And my dad did the thing where, okay, let's put the log chain around the cow gently, and and an animal is fighting you, right, as you're trying to help it, but it's not yeah. just going willingly, and you can't communicate. And I really tried to capture that uh, with that scene from part wow. two, and so it was really fun to just kind of write. You know, they always say writers should write what you know. There's a lot of things that I know. Uh, in in this book, so I got to share that with everybody too. But, I love yeah, it. I I guess I I had assumed that uh, that was all uh, fiction, you know, not necessarily from real life. So cool. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That would not be the thing that. Well, of all of them, I guess that would be one of the things. You probably don't have much experience carting fifty tons of you know necrographs. <laughs> uh, no, it could have been a, he, killing a whole cruise of people. He could have been a trucker Morgan. at some point. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, could have been a trucker. 
Well, Jake's um, dad, Jake's Jake's dad, while he wasn't a, a truck driver, worked, I believe, in the steel industry for 30 years. And if you follow Jake on Twitter, you might have seen recently Fly For Your Die has been doing really well. Jake's been talking about it. So thank you, fans, for for buying Fly For Your Die and supporting it. Thank you all for running it so that people buy it and and, uh, and showing and, and people uh, live through through your play and, and become fans of you as well. So thank you because you help support us. In that, but uh, Jake, that he wrote his original idea for Fly for Your Die that he pitched to Rob, the creative director of Starfinder at the time, was really an homage to his father. He said, you know, I, I really want to honor the working. Uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff is personal. I don't think people realize it when we, and I think that's yeah. why the writing's good, frankly, is because writers and developers are going from, okay, cool, I know this thing that's very intimate to me. How can I explore it uh, through the game and through the mechanics and still make it a Starfinder story? Uh, but yeah, yeah that my, my outline said that the PCs needed to deliver something and Jake's mistake, uh, in part one was to leave that something up to me because I said, necrographs, let's deliver necrographs. And he was like, we should call this merchants of death, Leo. There's so much undeath in this book. Uh, and I, and I was like, well, the void is sort of a metaphor. And I tried to, you know, write or justify it. And he was like, yeah, whatever, fine. But, well, uh, that was that was what I loved about Merchants of the Void for the whole thing was like a lot of it was um, sort of presented as okay, you're gonna ship 50 tons of necrographs and ooh, necrographs, they're black hearts that were car that were carved out of these people that died. Carved is you know a macabre word, but like you know they were crafted from the loss of this ship. That's mm -hmm. horrible, but you're bringing them to Vesk uh, 2 in order to save all of these Ijtikri and stuff. So, like, it, it, you take the job and you realize, oh, okay, there's more than one side to this coin. And, like, the same with uh, uh, Agavana and stuff like that. The, mm -hmm. So I, I really liked all of the uh, sort of, you know, don't judge a book by its cover uh, subplots in this one. I really liked mm -hmm. that. I will say... Uh, for, for good sorry. moral gray area. Sorry, going yeah. to... No, so I was just going to say, I will say, I have admittedly not played as many APs as you all, but I have listened to an epic amount of them, and I'm loving Fly Free or Die so much, one, because I'm actually getting to play, and two, because it's not, we're the big damn heroes to save the universe, I love the fact that it's like, we're space truckers, we've got wrapped up into some kind of big things, and, you know, we've got, we're, we've kind of got a you know, a big corporation, this amorphous entity to, that we don't like and we kind of want to snub the nose of all the time. But it's it's fairly grounded, and I love that, and I hope we get more APs like that. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, yeah. It's, it's yeah, an I've actually, pleasure to play this. I've actually been surprised that we haven't run across a, like, world-ending thing. Cause, cause, so with Extinction Curse, there's, there's like, you know, you get, like, the two, two books with, like, a pretty heavy focus of the circus, and then you find out that the world's ending, and then you're like kind of do less circus stuff and do more world saving stuff and that hasn't happened here yeah I'm loving it yeah. loving it yeah yeah this is a personal story this is a fly free or die you know i i won't i won't spoil it simon but you're you're okay. probably not going to see too much of that necessarily what you're going to see instead is we're going to tell Sloane as, as the captain, we're going to tell her story and all the people that support her. And we're going to we're going to see how Sloane deals with as the captain uh, of the severance package, how Sloane deals with uh, all of the challenges that somebody who manages a company of merchants in the Starfinder universe would have to deal with and the ethical concerns and the moral concerns. And what does revenge look like? What does triumph look like? What does so we really wanted to. We kind of we kind of looked at the magnifying glass and Jake's pitch for this was beautiful to me. I I kind of narcissistically heard it over the cubicle wall 
messaged Jason Keeley because I thought he was handling it at the time and said, I want to write for that. Please consider me to write for that. Uh, and uh, it was Jake working on it. And Jake sent me a, a message back and we just talked for a little bit. And I was like, OK, I want to write more for that. Please choose me. Uh, and I was very lucky uh, that that he did. Uh, but it, yeah, um, it's very very much you know firefly is a personal story right like when you think about it even the movie is a little bit more larger problem and i hinted at it with the adamant scale and, and you'll definitely see some of that through book four five and six a little bit but it's but still i i'm curious to to talk to you later after six and be like okay so this is different what did you, what did you think of that you know uh kind of uh the micro the microscope turned up times 2000 on your characters uh kind of story yeah. well, speaking of this wanna... oh sorry <laughs> I was just gonna say I don't want to preempt anything, but maybe we should have you back at the end of book six then. Yes. Or Jake, you all should talk to Jake too. I know he'd love to. Jake has been doing a, a developer uh, series on Fly Free or Die. If you have followed that on YouTube, you, sh you if you haven't, you should. Uh, and I'm sure Jake would love to come on and talk to you about all six books too. So absolutely. Why not? He's both? been, he's been <laughs> great about answering. I know Jet's got something, but uh, yeah, on, no, I'm... on Jake. Uh, he was really good when I started running this. Uh, Simon came to me with a, a certain change uh, for the AP, and I asked Jake about, like, hey, would this throw things off? And so that started a whole chain of, like, oh, well, you know, this is going to be coming down the road, and that's going to, but you're probably, you're, you're good. Good luck. Have fun. And, and uh, <laughs> he's, you know, like, again, it just comes down to everybody at Paizo is so approachable and friendly and, like, nice to talk. You, you all are just very passionate about your products, as is evidenced by having leo here in the flesh or in, in the video well we are you right like that's the that's what i love about working at paizo and i mean i i really see it modeled every day it's like we're playing our games too we care about our games we're also playing other people's games like we are we're passionate about tabletop role-playing games and it's just really fun like i'm i feel like i'm sitting here right now with just people who love our hobby it's not like oh i'm being interviewed you know what i mean and like that's yeah. that's why we do this uh which is super fun so yeah, yeah. Um, Jet, I don't know if it's still prevalent. Uh, uh, I mean, sort of, and it's and it's it's a little bit s silly. But you were talking about how you were writing from life. Do you have any zoologists or archaeologists on the team? Because I would love a, a Jurassic Park themed AP. <laughs> uh, so there's a there's a not to spoil anything since it sounds like y'all are playing Extinction Curse, but I think there's a volume of Extinction Curse that that gets a little Jurassic Parky. We'll say, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I okay, would Starfinder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, John Compton, though, is who comes to mind, has a extensive uh, uh, archaeologist background, and a lot of his writing, frankly, reflects that. So if you're if you're interested in that type of thing, I would encourage you to look at the Age of Ashes volume that John wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, I would encourage you to look at multiple things that John wrote. And yeah, I mean, we're all. There, there are different sort of um, perspectives that every writer brings to the table. I mean, I look at Eleanor Farron uh, and her extensive sort of like folklore background. I mean, she has this small folklore back uh, library sitting on her desk. You know, before we all worked from home because of lockdown and everything, uh, I used to just kind of do a tour of all the desks to see what was there because there's, the, you know, we all kind of pull from things. And she has this amazing folklore library, just a few books, but it's just sitting there. And I, you know, a few times I'd be like, hey, can I look at this? Or uh, because it's just cool to see what people's interests are. Uh, and so, yeah, I would look at Eleanor. I mean, Eleanor kind of famously created Strawberry Machine Cake and uh, uh, Star Sugar Heart Love uh, and that whole, that whole thing, which is brilliant. Uh, 
and John has written a ton of wonderful things. So yeah, I'd, I'd take a look at, at those. There's a lot of folks at Paizo who have um, varying degrees of disciplines that influence their work. Uh, obviously, I brought my sort of country bumpkin, uh, working class uh, sort of perspective to this. I, You mentioned gray area earlier and what that looks like, uh, Leif, and I, I will say that for us, this AP is all about the gray. I want like it's you know number number one is called we're no heroes for a reason like it's yeah. you know uh, and uh, I loved the idea that when I was sitting down to write this I was like oh they don't have to solve things in a heroic fashion you know if you just want to get an implant from Reagan Bull and go about your day get the adrenal gland because we're just doing business and we're out uh, <laughs> but if you want to blackmail Reagan you can if you want you know uh, if you want to steal from him it's written that you can just kind of sneak in steal. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of flesh to sort of steal, but you could lock it in the cooler or something, I suppose, make the necrographs and leave. You know, you can do it however you want, which is how I think um, volumes should be written. And that was really a credit to Jake's development that we got there. But anyway, sorry, I'm, I answered your question and then some. But uh, that, that's that's what I love about this AP. Again, I, I keep gushing about it. And this is the only one that I've run for the show. But this particular crew of players love you all we love going off book I'm like, <laughs> oh, I do this what if i zag and it's like no but that's not written but it is written now it is like i i loved going into book one i was i was like okay so you're gonna get this choice choose either way right like you know because peek behind the curtains we we tell each other occasionally like hey you're gonna have in vague terms this decision coming up uh right. so think about that and i could tell them freely hey Go either way. I have both prepped, uh, like the the truck chase or the uh, you know rather siding with the rebellion or the uh, the hobgoblins. Uh, yeah, Liz. Like I that. mean, to your question, uh, if if you all had decided in in part three of my book uh, that you wanted to just turn Agavana in, you would have fought Charity and Agavana right there uh, and had and had that fight rather than the star the starship combat that you had. Uh, with the Vescarium. And so uh, it was really cool to be able to, again, my video game background really helped me for this because I know how to write branching arcs uh, and how to bring them back together. And we needed we needed branching diamonds uh, a lot in this AP, which is, yeah. you know, you come, you come to a point, you come to a bisection, you come back to the same point, the story continues. Uh, and sometimes, as Tom noticed probably in part one, it was more like a quadra section. <laughs> where it, it branched out to four possible points or five. And, you know, the beauty of role-playing games is it's kind of an infinite amount of nodes, depending on how the GM really wants to play it, because sometimes the PCs will be like, I want to do something else. And those are the those are the beauty, the, the real beautiful moments. But as a writer, it's my job to help Tom and other GMs think about that and say, okay, what are the... I, I try to cover like the 80% in my head is I go, okay, what are the predominant... What are the play styles that people are going to bring to the table? How would I solve that problem? How do I think players would solve that problem? And then if I give Tom a roadmap, even if uh, the player solution isn't on that roadmap, he's probably got something he can utilize when he thinks about it. And that's, that's really what a writer should do, in my opinion. And a developer takes that and then just tweaks and hones and tries to multiply the writing uh, to make it sing even more than it did in its first turnover. So... I will yeah. defend us a little bit, Tom. We do tend to ask you if this decision is going to send things so far off the rails, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, but I you just want... stopped because you kept telling us it's okay this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do, and I love that. 
However, I it doesn't you know it never feels good for the GM to have to be like now nah, you know what back off guys cool it don't go that way Let, right like you know uh, running into the invisible wall in the video game so like I want you all to be able to do whatever the prank you want because it's that's fine. But the invisible wall is there for a reason. You guys whined about the the, yeah. the plot armor on the door it signals screams an awful lot. That was <laughs> I mean crazy plot armor. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, also, Tom, we we do need those invisible walls a little bit for this show specifically because it's a sh- it's a show. Yeah. <laughs> if yes, we were playing yes. by ourselves, we'd probably be more likely to be like, yeah, no, we're doing this weird thing and going ninety degrees off to the side here. <laughs> we are literally going to go start our own business <laughs> because there are rules for that now, and we can. Which I know, love. You the galactic plot. trade stuff. <laughs> can I ask you all a question? So, uh, I, I want to kind of know as players, and I mean, I've been super impressed, you know, not, I'm not going to neg any other podcasts out there or, or live plays, but I've been super impressed with your Starfinder knowledge and your engagement, uh, and your ability to, I mean, it's really cool to see players know the rules to help the GM along sometimes too. Uh, and I've, I've seen that a lot, uh, with you all. And so what are, as people who love Starfinder, clearly, uh, at least that's how I took that as you love our game. Uh, and because and because of that, you want to know the game. Where will you, where do you want to see Starfinder go? If you were giving advice to me as a writer or somebody who edits and and helps, what what do you want to see next? What 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 excites you about Starfinder? And and what uh, if you could kind of add something to the world? What would you add? Ob- obviously, Tom yeah. would put something in the Vescarium probably. But, but I guess uh, what <laughs> one thing that um, I love in speculative fiction is when systems arise because two or more things are working in tandem. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I love it when you've got, well, for instance, when you've got two races that are symbiotic and have to work together. um, And what it's like for them to encounter, you know, races where they don't have to work together for that sort of thing. Or when you've got two very different responses to the same environment. Mm. That's one of my favorite things. Very cool. Uh, you joke, Leo, but I would love to see the Trafidoy Paradox someday. I think that would be really, Ooh. really cool. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. I, I, I feel bad because you talked about us knowing things, but I cannot remember the name of it. But the river flowing through the diaspora, something very heavily. Yes involved in the diaspora and like Mm. small communities in the asteroid belt there that would be amazing i love it i Um, love it and as far as mechanics go like i think tech rev is going to answer a lot of my things and the only other thing would be uh, like a tweak to cantrips so that it functions a little bit more like pathfinder 2e yeah yeah magic has been kind of uh i wouldn't say a bummer it's more Starfinder is more science than science fantasy at this point. It feels mm. like, yeah, sure. And I mean, sure. I, and I don't mind that, but I remember trying. Like, it was great playing Adelaide, um, which partly one? because of the uh, the way that I could just like be silly with the way that her magic was working. When I tried to be more mechanical with magic with uh, Mouse, it was a lot harder. But I'm sorry, I cut Nick off. I was just gonna say after playing Pathfinder 2, the our our magic system in Starfinder is just like 
Why? Why? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I haven't been super quiet about it. I'm like, five to ten years, maybe we'll get Pathfinder 2E and it'll be the three action system. And it'll be amazing. Starfinder. You mean Starfinder 2? Starfinder, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, part of that's just the evolution, right? Of like, yeah. just the timing of, of releasing Starfinder in 2017, I think. Uh, yeah. And then and then Pathfinder 2 in 2019 and having this really cool system sort of evolve and then sort of still being in that Pathfinder 1, 3.75 sort of derivative system with Starfinder. I have the same moments. Like I play both systems. And I mean, yesterday I was running Starfinder and I was like, oh, well, just stride and then step and then attack, like then strike. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> Vanessa, uh, who's one of a fantastic uh, Starfinder writer was, or, and Pathfinder writer, kind of looked at me and was like, Leo, you're doing the thing again. And I was like, oh, you're right. Okay, yes, uh, take a standard action for that, move action for that, swift action for that. Uh, and, you know, I, so we all know that's there too. And, you know, yeah, duly noted. I hear you. As we like to call but it. I absolutely yeah. love all of the lore for Starfinder. That's as yeah. as much as I like the three action system in Pathfinder 2E and I like Pathfinder and I like playing in that world like Starfinder. Starfinder. <laughs> we've yeah, we've, we've talked about that how like we we wish we could play Starfinder lore with Pathfinder 2 rules. Uh because we like, you know, uh, who who doesn't like the three action system? Uh and you know, to beat that dead horse a little more. Uh the spellcasting <laughs> And because I play a wizard in Pathfinder 2, and it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so, no, I, I echo that. Beautifully streamlined. Big shout out. Lots of kudos to everybody who worked on Pathfinder 2 because it's, oh. Yeah. That was <laughs> that, uh, so quick, funny story there is I was in my second day on the job, right? So I told <laughs> you I've worked there three and a half years. And I had just said to my friend, because he asked me, do you think Pathfinder is going to do a, a new edition? And I had no idea. And I was like, I was like, no, I really don't. Pathfinder 1 seems to be doing fine. It'll be okay. I get there on my second day. Uh, and <laughs> Judy turns to me and goes, hey, Leo, there's this thing called Terrain. And I'm like, what's terrain? And she's like, oh, it's our new edition of Pathfinder. I'd like you to make a character in it and see if you can poke any holes. Because we use code names uh, for things. So that if you ever, if fans ever heard us accidentally say, oh, I'm working on terrain, they'd be like, what's that? And we use terrain because we sell map packs. So we'd be like, oh, that's a that's a map thing. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's funny. Um, and it was a I way to not violate our NDA yeah. if people slip up. I don't think anyone did, honestly. But, you know, it's there to help in case. Uh, but uh, I was surprised that there were as few leaks, honestly, as there were, because I was new to the industry, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how that all works. But yeah, it, it was pretty cool to see. But yeah, it was my second day. Uh, I had just edited the Pyrogeist on my first day. I remember I edited the Pyrogeist of one of the best series, the later best series for 1E. That was the very first uh, creature I'd ever edited professionally uh, as an editor. I edit the Pyrogeist. I ship it out. I say, hey, what's next? And Judy says, oh, make a character in this new edition and see if you can poke any holes in it. Look at the writing. See if there's anything that you don't like. It's just a first draft. I don't want you to edit it, but I, I do want you to, to kind of see because uh, I've I've ran something I haven't talked about much is I've ran probably over 50 different game systems. Uh, and one of the things that I think Judy hired me for and, and Paizo hired me for is the fact that I, I continue to be a very good usability tester and editor because of that. I can kind of look at something pretty well and say, oh, this is easy to run. I also run these games and I think GMs, uh, it's helpful when editors and developers are also playing and running our games because then we see 
we can look at and it, it seems kind of weird to say that but you know there are professionals who work in this industry who don't often or not often but who don't always play uh some of those games we try as the editing team to make sure everybody's playing starfinder and pathfinder to make sure they understand the mechanics but you know it's there's only so much time and it's a very deadline driven fast industry so indeed definitely well something something i'd like to see coming back to your question for us yeah um, yeah please something i'd like to see added would be um maybe a, some more higher level content more uh m more like uh thir 13 to 20 um yep. pps uh definitely definitely love l the idea of reaching that level 20 but never never actually got there and I, but i understand you guys have like one ap out that's what's that one called again devastation, devastation arc devastation which arc, is yeah. which is super cool and written by some amazing people uh jenny jarzavsky's uh volume i'm blanking what it's called right now uh but you should check out devastation arc if you want really good writing in my opinion it's it's very well written it's very exciting i feel like the people on that that were hired are just Fantastic authors, and J and Jason Keeley is a, a outstanding uh, developer. And so, anyway, yeah, I I highly recommend Devastation. But yeah, we we hear you honestly. Like that's a, you're not the only person to have said that for sure. I'm and I think the one. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always it's always a challenge when I've heard Eric talk about it. You know, it's it's hard to make sure we're getting people who want high level content what they want, but also putting enough lower level content out there that we're engaging a new player base. So there's there's always that you know because a new player who sees yeah. a, a a 13th level AP is going to go oh I'm never going to get there uh, so I don't I don't know that I want to buy this so it's you know there's give and take but yeah I, I kind of I I mean I yeah the the rest of the cast is more uh, mechanic <laughs> mechanically inclined than I am I tend to be like oh yeah that's right we might we're probably going to get to that level aren't we. <laughs> you have to buy items, Liz. Oh, do, yeah. I, do I get to eat this level? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for for my part, uh, probably that uh, as you may have noticed if you if you've watched our past season, I really like the weird races. Um, so I've been I've been hoping to like get more content about Avalon and like learn about the first builders and like really dig into how the society there works and like the two Ooh. factions there. We got a little bit of that in um, Dawn of Flame because mm. the, the first builders also built some of the bubble cities in the sun, but I kind of want well that. Oh. Man, Dawn of Flame went places. It really did. Oh. It did. Flame yeah. was really great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like, it... We're, we're going to do it in the sun? Like... <laughs> Surprise, there's also great old ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was all I wanted. I wanted evil elder gods and to know what was up with the sun um and then and then that was over and then i wanted firefly i'm i am a happy happy camper yeah indeed nice uh, uh now, have, now have, we need more zo yes uh there is oh, a good zo. zo in organized play uh so if you if you're looking for zo that's a, a great place to go for zo uh i was gonna say <laughs> yeah right Zoe's amazing uh, i think john I'm not sure who created Zoe, but I know John Compton loves tweaking Zoe and using Zoe when he, uh, he worked on the OP team. He's since moved now as a Starfinder senior developer, but when he was on Organized Play, John would always be like, can we use Zoe? I want to use Zoe. Um, and I would hear him talk about that a lot. But uh, Simon, I wanted to say, have you seen Planishar in uh, Alien Archive 4? Because I wrote 
Planishar, and uh, when you were talking about uh, uh, the Anasites and Abalon, I, I said, huh, I wonder, because I love interjecting villains into the canon. Uh, I mean, that's where the adamant scale came from, because I, I remember sitting at a Starfinder creative team meeting once and going, why don't we have more Darth Vaders? Like, not to, you know, steal from Lucasfilm, but we, we need we right. need more, we need more uh, big, I mean, Tom called them mustache twirling uh, big bad evil folks, but yes, uh, uh, I, I think that we need more of that, uh, more threats. You know, there's a lot of great uh, lore, as you all said, and Near Space is my favorite book because it explores some of that, but there's still room for more evil, I think, uh, and more threat. And the Planishar was kind of my answer to that if people wanted to go there. It's a higher level answer to that. Uh, but I said, huh, what if there was a first ones experiment? And I, I can't remember the name of the book that theorizes there was a two dimensional, uh, it's sort of like a, a two dimensional species, and they're on a uh, a Mobius strip, they live on a Mobius loop, pretty much, that is an inverted, kind of, if you take a, a long strip, invert, like, twist it, and then tape it yeah, together, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, uh, and uh, what would a two-dimensional creature look like, and uh, I pitched that to to, to Joe uh, Passini, the lead de uh, designer on Starfinder, and he said, yeah, write a 2D creature and tie it to, uh, to Avalon, to Anasites, so there's a lot of you're you're onto something there. I think Ooh. that uh, I pitched that to Thirsty for um, maybe some other content for modules down the road. I think somebody could really explore uh, anasite culture in a cool way. The what was it? Planet Char. Planet Char. It's Planet Char. Page eighty of the. Alien Gave Thirsty. Yeah. A I'm looking at it right now. horror and said, "Run with it." Oh God. I'm looking at it. I'm <laughs> looking at it now, Leo. It's gonna be fantastic. And convergence oh, protocol. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> we must assimilate everyone into a two-dimensional being. We will make you all 2D. Uh, I, I wanted to. I wanted to do Anasite Borg. You know, I wanted to do. We are. We're going to come to the third dimension, uh, which is sort of another kind of type of planar problem, right? Like there's the material plane and the great beyond. But what about dimensions? Uh, have if you've yeah. ever read. Um, Oh, uh, what's the the three body problem by Susan uh, 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 Liu, I, know I believe, or yeah. I'm 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 Sijin, I'm not I'm butchering their name, and I'm, I apologize to fans out there. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, uh, but uh, the book is masterful, and it talks about what would happen. The the, the whole premise, without spoiling, is that there are uh, creatures that live in another dimension uh, that is beyond our third dimensional realm, and. Uh, folks on Earth figure it out and try to help them, uh, kind of with a with a problem that they have. Uh, and I I drew very heavily from that in this other book that I'm blanking on the name of, and then Star Trek and the Borg, and said yes, let's let's mesh it all together and have dimensional creatures that want to assimilate the third dimension into 2D. Yes, convergence protocol was one of my favorite abilities I think I've ever written, easily. Yeah. And looking at the okay. page 81 art, it looks like something Simon would want to play. <laughs> yes. Uh, really does. Uh, man. Yeah, Another... I mean, let's see. Mildly uh, malevolent and, you know, squishy. I, I think I think definitely <laughs> it calls out to Simon. I love it when Marioth is like, we want to do this. Uh, we I like the I, I think, honestly, you all do a fantastic job your characters and i'll gush about you for a second honestly i've really enjoyed i love all of you i, pr I probably have a special place in my heart for auntie nuna the most because i Aww. personally i personally want to see more ass-kicking women who are older than 30 uh, yeah. in 
in um, RPGs, and that's something that's very important to me. It's why I wrote Nemolith the way I did. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted Helen Mirren with a hand cannon and a burning hand on the other side because I love Witch Warpers. But I, I really wanted um, to. I, I think I the art order I gave to to Jake was something along the the line. And obviously, Jake writes the art orders, but we can give suggestions. And I said, if it's not Helen Mirren, uh, a hilky uh, uh, Helen Mirren with a, a short mohawk and a hand cannon, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, and they delivered. I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then obviously Jinx and writing Jinx as a deaf character. I, I have a friend who's an audiologist and specifically works uh, with deaf people. And I learned a ton. I was like, you know, I, I think writing the other is very, not the other, I, I don't want to be diminishing in any way, but writing people who are not like ourselves is very important. And I, I use the term writing the other because of the very good book out there uh, by Nisi Shaw, I believe, uh, about how to do that well. Uh, and we pulled a lot of it uh, from that uh, of uh, uh, on the editing team. And I will say that we need more representation and inclusivity in speculative fiction. And the only way that we're going to do that is one, hiring more people who have different perspectives and including more people. And then two, those of us who have voices like my own. I mean, I identify uh, as a pansexual white male and I will say, I want to ample, I want to take my voice as someone who has privileges in the industry and in life and try to amplify other voices. And so for me, Nemolith was important, and Anti Nuna really reflects that. So, um, and I love Gus because of because of uh, who I am as a, a country person. And having a, a cow who is interfaced with with technology is amazing. Uh, but but honestly, the interplay between Catch and Sloan is really cool too, with the sort of like ASMR tiefling thing going on, and, and you know, and the, uh, and um, again that that rebels with a heart sort of thing. Uh, it's cool, but yeah, but then all of that and just watching, but you've also got Marioth just trying to figure out the world uh, in all of that. So anyway, thank you for that gift. I will say I cried. I was sitting with my partner and I, I will, I guess I'll say this on stream. I cried like a baby uh, because the first time I'd ever heard anyone thank me for writing something was actually on your stream, uh, oh. which is, uh, uh, you know, you do, you do your wonderful kudos and thank you at the end. And I, it was the very first one I listened to of you and my partner and I finished it uh, on our couch listening to it and I heard that and we both just cried and it was really cool um, to have that moment so I feel very connected to you all uh, obviously <laughs> as a fan because of that so thank you because I'm looking uh, over I at watch... Tom's face and he's <laughs> almost gonna cry <laughs> um, but that's you you've touched me as uh, you know you've, you've touched my heart as well uh, in that way and I just wanted to say thanks because it's really cool to see you all explore the universe kind of through your characters so thank you leo i i don't know what to say yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's a wonderful story it's a wonderful universe uh that we get to explore uh, mm -hmm. and yeah. i 100 percent agree with you on uh, the need for more representation and i think starfinder mm -hmm. is a great avenue uh yeah to do it through yeah uh, that's one of the oh please go ahead leif uh, i was There's... just saying honestly this this stream and, and TTRPGs is a big factor in what helped a, a lot, if not all of us, get through this last year with oh, our mm -hmm. uh, entity at least mm -hmm. somewhat intact. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think we can put into words how much we appreciate you guys and the content you create. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah and, and I think that. Like, okay. Go ahead. Oh, please, I think I'm that sorry. Starfinder is also a pretty good setting to experiment with. Not just, and I think part of it is that you're playing aliens and you're playing aliens in such a rich environment that you can 
find a way to create a character who's, you know, okay, I want to play a badass old lady. And I guess she'll be Kasatha. And I, you know, what I tend to do is I'll have like a character concept and they'll be like, okay, guys, help help me make this character actually kind of productive. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so then I'll get like, okay, well, you could play a featherlight human and get, you know, and this will help you get your stats thing. And then I go from there. So like the idea of uh, Adelaide being um, a big fraud, kind of. She was always going to be a big fraud, but when we figured out, okay, she's a featherlight human, then, oh, she's from like the middle of nowhere. And, you know, or Auntie Nuna, um, well, I won't get into her backstory, but yeah. And then other things just completely pop up out of nowhere, like making Auntie Nuna be trans, like, yeah, that makes sense. I think Love she it. should be. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. it's the kind of play where you're not penalized for making those kinds of choices either. It only opens avenues, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Bouncing back briefly, I'll say more noir information, please, please, and thank you. I've always loved <laughs> minotaurs, and now I get to play uh, a minotaur effectively. Uh, and then to your. Uh, representation matters. Yes, 100% yes. I loved that Jinx was deaf. Uh, and the like the cover art for the Horizons of the Vast, I about lost my mind when I saw the, the, the NPC that I cannot wait to meet on the cover of that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Goodness, yes. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, um, and I, I did want to comment just to, and Tom knows the story because we talked about it, and not to make things too emotional, but like for me, this was my first larger uh, adventure, as I said, and I I was late in turning it in, much to Jake's chagrin. I was kind of running behind, uh, and because uh, it's a lot of work, as, as you might imagine. Uh, and I, as I was working on it, unfortunately, my best friend, uh, one morning, I get a phone call uh, from from a, another good friend of mine. We're I, I can't, my life is a little bit like um, oh oh geez I'm I just lost the the show with like the four thirty something friends uh, the the how I met your mother. My life is a little bit like how I met your mother uh, in that uh, I've got these great adult friends that are very very close and there's a group of four of us that have just been through a lot together and one of the group of four actually passed away as I was writing this volume and obviously we're in lockdown and Adani Samore who hires you for a job uh, is actually a, an anagram uh, of Diana Ramos my best friend uh, who who we lost while I was writing this and I will say in addition to lockdown this was an opportunity to write that but then watching mm-hmm. you all play <laughs> it was just really cool because I went Diana would love to see this right now Diana, like Aww. when you're fight when you're fighting in that barn and you know like you were even kind of protecting Carm and and her husband Mark, you know, notice I call, I shortened his name to Carm. Well, that's an anagram for Mark too, to do a little, little shout out for him. Uh, but you were defending my friends kind of in a way, right? Oh. Because you write what you know. And it was kind of cool to watch you fight those Strider Manders and be like, we got to help. We got to keep them alive. And so thanks for that gift. I, I wanted to share that with you that, you know, family's important. Obviously is Jeff or Jet, excuse me, uh, Jet hugs, uh, uh his daughter and uh, family's important and diana is my family and i just wanted to say thanks because i know it's indirect but that's what storytelling does right we we sort of connect um to our own situations our own our own uh struggles and, and triumphs through storytelling and so it was kind of cool to just see you all 
And, you know, I'm watching a couple different podcasts, but I just really love, I think you are brilliantly connected to all of your characters. And I think in that way, you're thinking not just, oh, how can I make a good stream? But what would this character do? And that's that's really fun to watch. And I think you gave me a gift in that way. So thanks, Tom. And thank you all for that, because that, that really uh, that keeps me writing. That keeps me that makes me want to, you know. Um, we're very blessed to work in the games industry, but I think as most people will tell you who work in games, it is a very uh, high-paced, uh, difficult industry sometimes to work in. It uh, can be challenging. There's a lot of work to do. I don't think I've ever worked harder in any job I've ever had than this one. Now, I love my job, so but I we work very hard. And, and it's just those little moments like this that help us keep going. Uh, I go, yeah, I should write something else because look at look at what they did with part two. That's awesome. I, yeah. I should keep going. I will 100% anyway. say, yes, write more. We loved it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so two quick questions before I think uh, I don't I don't want to keep you all too long. But sure. um, two quick questions before we close out here. Uh, who, uh, since we've been talking about NPCs, who is your favorite NPC from book two? And why is it Carmelar Gravender? <laughs> <laughs> so, he's, so, he's, he's my favorite NPC from book uh, two. And you did him, you did him so much justice, Tom. I loved, uh, you know, and Carm to me, I have a friend, I guess I can call Jim out. So I have a friend, Jim, uh, and Jim's uh, part of this, this collective of, of, of how I met your mother friends. And I love Jim because everything that could be like a small sentence could be like four words is like 20. Right. And I and Jim is fantastic because of that. And I and I said, how can I how can I infuse that? And so that's why Karm is like, you know, hi, Desperate Cahan, uh, you know, for the good of the Viscarium, let's let's do this and come help me when all he really needs to say is there are predators threatening our ranch. Please help us get these other predators to scare them off. And that's what Adani does. Uh, it's like, oh, my, you're just going on. And I, I wanted all of these characters to have their uh to have that i will say for me um goog <laughs> rattlestarp and fleegreeb who i'm happy <laughs> to see that you've given a home uh, uh are very dear to my heart because do you know where they came from they actually came from dead sons uh because in dead i ran dead sons and there are those three goblins that you find uh on that first ship uh and i named mine i actually named them for my players i named them fleegreeb rattlesnarp uh, and Michael, because I'm weird and cynical, and I was like, Michael the Goblin just sounds funny. Uh, and of course, when I write for Starfinder and Paizo, I can't have anyone named too close to you know modern names, so Michael the Goblin wasn't going to fly. Uh, I pitched it to Jake. He said, name him something else, so I came up with Goog. Uh, but those, those <laughs> uh, uh, Greeb's voice, or Rattlesnarp's voice, and Goog's voice really came from dead sons and then i there will be nothing i write for starfinder that doesn't have skittermanders and goblins in it frankly mm -hmm. i i uh, i ran um i run at paizocon i haven't obviously through lockdown but once we get back there uh i'm pretty notorious if you ever attend paizocon i invite you all to come sit down at my uh skittermanders versus goblins snowball fight adventure mm -hmm. that i run where you start with a snowball fight and it's based on the holiday cards that paizo uses where people are throwing magically infused snowballs and like polymorphing each other into terrible things and um so there's all these magically infused snowballs and then there's a kind of a grand adventure with an ice dragon that you get off into but uh it's a it's a wonderfully fun thing that i run just to so uh, to answer the question uh, uh those three goblins are probably my favorite uh with karm and obviously adani because of her connection to diana is very important to me as far as as far as villains 
Renavai is just fun. Um, I I wanted her her story. I don't know if it came out uh, in, but her her sort of story is that her mentor who brought her into the Adam and Scale constantly did the thing that I I see unfortunately happens to people who aren't men sometimes who are or don't identify as male is that they're thought of as weak for no reason or thought of diminished or constantly sort of like put in a box that doesn't that doesn't fit them and she took that and said fine i'm going to take your abuse for a while then i'm going to harness it into power and kill you and take your position uh and that's really her like story <laughs> uh and that's why she calls herself renavia the gentle and um so i i kind of wanted to kind of stick it uh stick it to to uh, the oppressors i guess a little bit and kind of say hey here's and that makes you ask a question too is renavia evil like or is she just a, a sort of uh uh you know, uh, sort of victim of trauma like the rest of us. But anyway, that's a conversation yeah. for another day. But Qu Quick question wow. about Renovaya. I'm so sorry, Tom. Uh, you said there was an answer about the lack of Renovaya art. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. And it's all my fault. So I'm going to put it out there. Uh, um, no, it is. It is. Okay. It's okay. I'll own it. Uh, and it really is. When, when Tom said that, I was like, oh, I did this. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, Merchants of the Void was supposed to be what's called a picaresque uh, adventure. Uh, it was supposed to be four uh, really disconnected merchant stories uh, with no through line whatsoever. I couldn't handle it. I'm just going to be straight up. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like that. Uh, I loved most of the outline, but I will tell you that as I played many Starfinder adventures and and I've ran now two two AP volumes. I will say that I struggled. I struggle sometimes with what I call middle volumes that I don't feel like give a payoff at the end or create connectivity throughout. And I was really worried we were going to do that with merchants. So I sat Jake down. Uh, we were in the conference room at Paizo because this was before lockdown. And I said, hey, I have an idea. I want part three to give them a choice that puts this big, bad organization out into the universe. But they're going to have no idea whether or not it's a story or whether it's true. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give them any indication uh, of what it is, and they still have to make this choice based on do they want to get paid or do they not, and I'll let them believe them. But then I want to bring that organization into part four, and instead of having a Vescaria Matache, which is how the out outline was written, have this really terrifying, very pro-nationalism, pro-empire, pro-imperialism, even to the point of subverting the Vescarian government from the inside organization. Uh, and it's scary and terrifying and mirrors our own problems in our own society, but I wanted to do it for that reason. And Jake, to his credit, went, yeah, do it. Let's like, let's go. Uh, and um, so, so anyway, sorry, long, long story short, uh, that wasn't in the original. If you think about that, if a writer interjects something at the very end, there was no art ordered at that time that I thought of that plot line. There was no art ordered, uh, for anyone adamant scale at all. It was not supposed to be there. Uh, and Jake was like, okay, I know what I'll do and managed to get at least the adamant talents represented. Uh, but Renavaya the Gentle, her art is actually in the pawn set, which I don't believe is out. I think it comes out in July. Uh, but but he but Jake because he's an extremely talented developer said we're going to get Digit because Digit got cut for similar reasons we're going to get Digit we're going to get uh, Ghoul who was the skeleton hound you fought that accompanies Creech uh, and we're going to get Renavaya as well as some other NPCs that were cut from other volumes we're all going to get him in the pawn collection so I've seen Renavaya's art she looks terrifying and it's amazing uh, uh, and uh, uh, she is there but you have to buy the pawn collection to get her art. Okay, so that, that's the that's story. Buy the pawn collection. 
yeah. Awesome. Um, jumping back to the Skittermander Goblin snowball fight at PaizoCon. Uh, <laughs> don't threaten us with a good time. We will absolutely come over there. Oh, we know. We, we could stream it. We could stream I was, it. I was just going to say, we're going to have to bring a camera or two, right, Nick? And we'll, we'll stream it. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been saying when PaizoCon comes back around as a real thing, we're going to we're gonna get an Airbnb. We're going to, like, do a bunch of streams that weekend. So we were, I mean, we were planning to do this. 2020, and then that we were We had the Airbnb reserved yeah, in 2020, yeah, and then there was yeah. a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> like, this COVID thing, I don't know, guys. And then everything shut down. We were like, okay, that settles that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the way my Discord is dividing, I see three Skittermanders to my left and three Goblins to my right. Let's do it right now. <laughs> oh, Dibs um, on Goblin. <laughs> Dibs on Skittermander. <laughs> so, last oh, question of all. Oh, they're good. Uh, Leo, do you have anything that you want to plug uh, coming up? or any? Um, so, I can't talk specifics, but I will tell you I'm working on a Pathfinder uh, Adventure Path volume right now uh, that... I'm actually working on the uh, what's called the extended outline for. It won't be due uh, for a while. I'm, I'm in its very early stages. But if you want to see some contributions, uh, some of the things we talked about today, I'll just I'll just kind of put it out there. Uh, uh, gray area, uh, undeath, uh, choices, significant hard choices out there in the world. Uh, maybe, perhaps, uh, I've been asked to write something with those themes because of. Uh, maybe showing a little bit of skill with that. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, I'm working on that. So if you want to end then, uh, I've also got some stuff uh, coming up and some Star Starfinder hardcovers that I'm not uh, sure have, have been announced yet either. So anyway, there's, you know, look for my name, but also, you know, there's a lot of talented writers out there. But yeah, that's what I'd like to plug. Uh, and then um, obviously I want to encourage people to spread the word about your wonderful podcast too. I'm going to do my best to keep doing that. So. Oh, oh no, there's going to be more people watching us. Yes, that's good. <laughs> I, I think that was the point of streaming the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we came into this well, mindset of like, you know, if, if nobody watches us, at least we're still playing Starfinder with our friends. And yeah. we got yeah. raided and we hit 50 viewers and I had a miniature panic attack. <laughs> if I can give a safety speech to 300 passengers... We can have 300 <laughs> people watch our stream. <laughs> well, uh, Leo, thank you so much for coming yes. on today. This has been so thank much you. fun. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. We have to do it again sometime soon. Yes. yes. I'm and sure I'll still be in your chat rooting you on and, and giving you rerolls and such. So I'll be around. Mm -hmm. But and I was going to say, if you're listening to this, you should come and join us on our Discord server. Uh, Leo hangs out there sometimes and... We mm -hmm. say hi to people and yeah, we like to wish everyone a good morning and share funny memes, you know, pictures yes. of pets. I, I try to send no more than one TikTok a day, so. <laughs> yes. Um, On the other hand, hold myself to no standards, so. Well, there, there you have it. Um, yes. So look forward to more awesome content from Leo. Uh, thank you again, Leo, for being here. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And thank you to all of you, my friends, for uh, helping, you know, be part of this discussion and stuff. I think it worked out pretty well today. Uh, so I'm going to go through my usual spiel here now, and nothing makes it more awkward than actually saying I'm going to go through my normal spiel. So uh, as always, we've got a new Cosmic Crit uh, dropping tonight. Uh, Jet, what do we have going on this Thursday? 
uh, this Thursday, we should hopefully be finishing Fort Rannick and then moving on into some end of book three stuff for Rise of the Star Lords. Oh boy, end of book three. Awesome. I look forward to finishing with these gross, 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 gross trolls. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we've got three or four more sessions at the very least, but we're in the beginning of that final stretch. Oh, well, I think it's the beginning of the end. <laughs> okay. Boy. Uh, uh, Leif, who do we have to thank for our audio today? Yes. Yeah, today we're thanking uh, Ritamin, White Bat Audio, Relax Cafe, Music, and Lo-Fi Girl. All on YouTube, all 100% free, all 100% awesome. Very cool. Uh, our fantastic character art was done by Anicola. She is at E-N-E-C-O-L-A on Twitter. Hit her up for commissions. Thank you to uh, Paizo at large for the awesome AP and specifically Kendra Lee Speedling for writing book four. Um, thank you, Nick, for our stream assets, including the wonderful uh, you know new panel that we have today. Scene? We call these scenes? <laughs> I, OBS is the one thing I've not touched. Uh, thank you, Jet, for running our stream today. Uh, thank you for all of the players. And uh, one more time, thank you again, Leo, for being here and taking time out of your Sunday uh, to chat with this group of nerds. Uh, we love your stuff, and we can't look to we can't wait to see what you come up with next. Thank um, you. Love you too. So. After the stream, uh, you can join us in uh, our Discord to chat with us live uh, or, you know, chat with us asynchronously, whatever you want to do. Uh, link is in the description below. Below. This is like a thumbs down. All right. So we've been here so long. Say goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, everyone. everyone. <laughs> and uh, Jet, take us into the